afternoon. Good evening, everybody. Glad you made it. Glad you're here. Welcome. See you, Laura. <laughs> God has been so good. Amen. Well, I got a praise report. Um, I'm going to start with a praise report because, you know, we're closing a very strange year, right? And somebody is like, okay, I'm glad 2020 is over. Yeah, and what guarantee do you have that 2021 is going to be any better, right? Well, the guarantee we have is a covenant. That's what it's about. So, um, Christmas Day, we had a, a great Christmas and all that, but um, come to find out somebody that was with us all during Christmas, a couple that was with us ended up having COVID, and they, got, they were like really, really sick on Saturday, and they, they were with us on Friday, so of course, you know how that went. So I kind of, you know, we didn't really know what it was till Monday, so you had to wait the, the days, you know, to take the test. But, you know, in our house, the three of us, we, we were, Monica, Kaden, and I were complete confidence that, because, you know, we believe the blood of Jesus is stronger than COVID, right? So, sure enough, you know, we went, got the test, they're all negative, but I like the way the, 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 the test printed out, and I had, you know, the, the way they give you the, the lab results, and I was actually seeing if it had up, I have it on my phone, but I don't have it, I was going to see if it had uploaded on the, on the iPad, because I sent just, I was looking at it, and it's pretty interesting the way it was, um, I don't have it here, but if you look at the, they're barely down, oh, here it is, so see if y'all can see it, so this is what it is, so on, on one side it says, you know, I got my name, and everybody, my wife's, and of course, Kate, in three different results, and it says, on this side it says detected, and it tells you what they found, and then on the other side, because they don't, they don't only check for corona, they check for, I'll tell you all these nasty things so you can rebuke every one of them, adenovirus, three, four, five different kind of coronas. And that's, I'm not talking about the beer either. Just, it's, just, uh, it's just five different coronas, human something, and then influenza A, B, parainfluenza, respiratory, I can't even pronounce it, Bordetella. I thought that was a dog disease, but apparently. Uh, Bordetella, chlamydia, pneumonia. And then I wrote this handmade because this is, this hopefully you can see what the message is. So on this side, I don't know if you can see it, says me. And then you see a little cross. This says JC. That's, that stands for Jesus, not JC Penny, Jesus Christ, all right? Because the Bible says he bore all our sins. So I just made a little note to myself, and I actually sent it to the people that got it. I said, here, this is why we didn't get it, because we are very clear on this covenant. So, you know, I just want to show you that, because that really represents what Jesus did. You know, he bore our sins. He bore our sickness. And you need to get that attitude about every form. I don't, even if you have a little sniffle or an itch, don't give the devil any place. No, I mean, have you got, got a headache, you know, I, I don't have a problem. Take the Tylenol. But before you take the Tylenol, make sure you pray for yourself and rebuke that. Because we're living in a time, people, where it really doesn't matter what comes down the pipe as long as you understand your covenant. Because I've said it so many times this year. I've said it so many times this month. My wife... And myself, we've been so blessed this year, really. Like, in every area, you know, our marriage is better, our family is better, our finances are better. I believe the church in Heavenville is doing great. The, the rhythm that you guys have, our leadership. Come on, give our leadership a big, big applause. They are awesome, awesome. I'll tell you. So, where the world has something that is really, and, I, and I'm not making light of it. You know, some people lost loved ones, so this is a serious thing. I'm not making light of it. But I'm telling you, people, this is a time to 
to really focus. Really focus because, you know, it's go- I'm telling you right now, it's going to get darker. How do you know, Pastor? Because that book says it's going to get darker. <laughs> it's not my idea. But it's when, when it gets dark in the land of Egypt, there's light in the light of Gosha. And that is who we are. And I think 2021 is going to be a phenomenal year for all of us. I, am, I think it's going to be a year of harvest, of years of planting, starting with harvest of souls, all the work that we've done all these 20-something years. I was talking to Terry, and we finally figured out, I think he, was, he came to this church, this building, at least. We know it's 20 years ago. It could have been 21 years ago. We're still, so, you know, he's been part of this for 20 years. And, you know, the church isn't going anywhere. The church, I think, I think much the contrary, I think the church is going to really shine in the next few years. So, you know, stop getting stressed out and, and focus, put your focus on the word. You know, I find, you know, the news, you need to shut it down. It's all the same old, you know, catch up. The other day I was, I, I could see the difference because I had, not that anybody wakes up with a negative attitude, but I had that kind of negative edge on me. And I was watching the news and that wasn't helping. So I flipped over to, to the Victory Channel. Renee, and it was like instant joy. I was like, I watched Brother Copeland for about 20 minutes, and all that stuff began to leave. And sometimes we just don't, it's all it takes is that discipline to, to switch your head into the words of life. Because, you know, this is not about not trusting the system, but I mean, is there anything left to trust out there? You can't trust the science. They can't figure out what to do with this mess. Every time they, every time they turn around, they got a new one. You can't trust the government. Well, we haven't been doing that for years, but you can't trust whatever stability you think you have based on your own, because all it took was a bug, shut an economy down, shut a country down, shut a world down. So, but the one you can trust is God. And I think, you know, as we, as we close this year out with all the weirdness it had, I'm looking, I really am looking forward to 21 in a good way. I'm excited and it really doesn't matter what comes down the pipe because this year really taught us some things. And I had a whole list, but I'm not going to take Terry's time. Of, uh, I'll, I'll post it on Facebook later. I was having kind of a, you know, checking just insights on what in my life, what 2020 meant. And it had a lot of good things, you know. It has, it has a few negative ones, but, you know, we've, we've discovered a lot of things. I discovered which people are with you. And you discovered how close you can be to your family and not kill each other? Hey, what's up with Esther? That was a loud amen, Esther. <laughs> Danny, was that bad, a lockdown? I was just kidding. <laughs> She's like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, to go eat you for a date, okay. By the way, it's really good to see you guys. You know, their family, they, they moved on, moved. We'll talk about that later. But anyway, their family, you're here tonight. So I want to just read Psalm 126. Open your Bibles. I'm going to read out of the message translation. This is one of the words that God has given me for 2021. And um, find something in what I'm going to read to you that you're going to grab onto. You're going to settle it down for this year. Um, Because I really do, you know, back in October, I was praying about this year and praying about the different things. I mean, 2021. And this kept popping up, you know. It kept popping up, kept popping up. And and I said, okay, well, so that's the word, Lord. So I've, I've been reading it, been meditating, and it's... It's so good. I read it in all different translations. So tonight I just picked the message. Passion translation is great. Of course, King James is great. So here, you know, the message starts with the title. It says, A Pilgrim Song, you know. And then it goes on to say, really, it's a song about what happened when, when the, the children of Israel had finally come out of captivity. 
They had been captive, so they wrote this song of freedom. It's a song of freedom, but I think that there's some prophetic angle to it or prophetic aspect to it that we're going to be seeing in, in 2021. And here it is. So just, you know, put 2021 in front of everything I want to read. 2021, it seemed like a dream too good to be true when God returned Zion's exile. We laughed, we sang, we couldn't believe our good fortune. We were the talk of the nations. How many believe that one, right? They're going to talk about the church. You watch. God was wonderful to them. God was wonderful to us. We are one happy people. Look around. If the person next to you is not smiling, then read it to them. Even, do the fourth smile, even if you have to. You're one happy people. And here it comes, verses 4 through 6. It says, and now God, do it again. I like that. Do it again. Bring rains to our drought-stricken lives. So if you felt like this year was drought-stricken in your life and things went missing, get ready because it's 2021's coming. So those who planted their crops in despair will shout hurrahs at the harvest. So those who went off with heavy hearts will come home laughing, listen to the last line, with armloads of blessings. I really, I just got that in my heart here. I think 2021 is going to be it for the, for the church. Well, actually for people that believe this. Because <laughs> you can't say the church. You're not going to get away from operating in faith. Everything is going to be by faith. And you're going to see this. You're going to see people in the church that are going to be tracking, being blessed. And you're going to see others that kind of just nothing really changes. And the only difference is there's two things, and I'm going to turn this over to Terry, is every time fear comes in, you have to identify it. And you have to call it out. Because fear, especially now with the COVID thing, you know, after this exposure that we had on Christmas Day, you know, I never fell in fear, but if, if, you just, if you're not careful, that little worm devil comes into your head. And, you know, I was working with tractors, and it was, you know how it is, it's super, super dry. It was until last night, praise God. And there was dust, and I had, a, I had a mower on it. So, of course, you're sneezing, and as soon as I sneeze, the devil says, you got COVID. And I'm like, no, I got dust in my nose, all right? But it's like that fear just comes and comes and just sits there and beats at the door through the news and through friends and through Christians. And if you're not careful, even through some preachers. So you, it's going to be up to you, up to all of us, to identify that fear and say, nope, I'm not going there. Because remember this, fear and faith, it's the same force. And it works towards the good of God and the devil twisted that force. And it works towards the demonic. So if all you hear is fear-filled words, you hear negativity, guess what? It's going to get in your spirit. And then next, next thing, it's going to get in your mouth. And once it's in your spirit and your mouth, you've already bought this thing. So identify fear. You know, teach your kids. That's how I teach kids. I say, you know, God gives us wisdom regarding all this. But at the same time, we're not going to fall into fear over this. Amen? So I just encourage everybody, you know, we'll talk some more of this on Sunday, you know, Make some commitments in your life to say, I will be there every time the church door opens. I think that would be a great commitment for you. Because this is where the life's going to be coming from. And the inf information that you're going to get on Sunday could very well be the information that's going to keep you through the rest of the week till next Sunday safe. You know, because this thing of COVID, you know, if you guys think it's going to, tonight at midnight, it's done. That's what people are acting that way. It's not. They, if, unless, you know, right now they had the brand new, new and improved version of COVID. And they got two cases, one in Colorado and one in California. So, you know, this thing is not leaving anytime soon. But it doesn't have to affect your house. That's the difference between us and them, all right? So just be encouraged. Get excited about 21. 
keep sowing, keep believing, keep inviting, keep, you know, keep the energy going. And I encourage you, if you're not serving in some capacity in the church, talk to some of the leaders here because there's just something about serving. And I'll tell you what it is. You begin to take ownership. And that is that when you begin to take ownership of what God's doing in your community, through your local church, everything begins to shift in your life. Amen? So said that, I want you all to stand one more time, and I want to to honor my friend, the apostle, my brother, Terry, Dr. Terry Mize. It's all yours, sir. Thank you, Lord. Praise the Lord. Well, thank you, sir, my friend. I'll give you a hug. I'm not scared of hugs. No, I ain't scared. (laughs) I'm not getting scared unless God gets scared. And if he gets scared, we're all in trouble. Yeah, we're all in trouble. Amen. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Well, it's good to be with you again one more time after doing this for 20 years or so. We, we get together on the last service of the year and uh, end the old year right and start the new year right. Amen. Amen. And uh, it's an honor to be here. It's a delight to be here. And just coming uh, down and seeing you guys and being here, I've been looking forward to it. And uh, usually I take two or three days and go deer hunting while I'm here, and I can't even do that, don't have time to do that. I just came to minister to you. And so uh, we're, we're here and, and uh, have to leave tomorrow and head to Louisiana to dedicate a church on Sunday. But uh, we're glad to be in Hebronville. Praise the Lord. Lots of friends, lots of people that uh, I've known for a long, long, long time. And uh, I'm glad that we're here, and I'm glad that you're here. So Happy New Year. Praise the Lord. Go ahead and be seated. <clears throat> Most of you probably know this. Some of you already told me tonight that you watch us, uh, watch our podcast or watch our YouTube channel. If you don't know, we have our own YouTube channel. We do. Uh, so if you'll just go to YouTube and you don't know how to do that, get a grandchild. They'll show, it, show you. And just go to YouTube and then uh, search for Terry Mize Ministries and it'll pop up. And then uh, subscribe to that. If you'll subscribe to it, that makes... Uh, YouTube get all warm and fuzzy, and they think that we're doing something right if we get a lot of subscribers. So if you'll subscribe to it, it'll help us. And uh, then there's a little picture of a bell right next to the subscribe button, and they get all excited if you click on that. So click on the bell, and uh, it doesn't cost you anything. It's free for nothing. So just go to YouTube and subscribe to Terry Mize Ministries' uh, channel. And then every Sunday morning at 7 a.m. Texas time, we put up a new television program, Renee and I, Preach the word, talk the word, dear me, it's good. And uh, you'll like it and it'll bless you. And then, of course, it'll be repeated there on YouTube anytime you want it. It's, in, it's archived. And it's also on my Facebook page, uh, my ministry Facebook page, Terry Mize Ministries, and also on my personal Facebook page, Terry L. Mize. So you can find it in lots of places. So or just anywhere you watch, you know, that kind of stuff, just pop it up. So uh, this, this week it was... Uh, a uh, really good time, a really exciting time. Most of you know that in that the uh, Christmas time every year, uh, Renee and I started with my wife Jackie. Jackie and I uh, and, and used to just always make a big push at Christmas time to help orphans uh, overseas because uh, at Christmas time, uh, even though people say Jesus is the reason for the season, uh, a lot of times Jesus gets left out at Christmas time. And people forget about the church, forget about the pastor, forget about missionaries, forget about orphans, forget about everything, because they're stressed in their own life, and they're pushed in their own life. And they're thinking, oh, my God, it's Christmas, and I've got to buy stuff for the kids, I've got to buy stuff for the grandkids, I've got to buy stuff for Uncle Joe, and I don't even like him, and I've got to, I've got to buy stuff for all these people. And so you get stressed and pushed. I get that. I know that. I live in that same 
world you do, and so orphans get forgotten. And so we started making a big push years ago uh, to start helping orphans at Christmas. And so uh, we just had two orphanages that we dealt with, just uh, our orphanage in India that we had had for a long, long time, and uh, then uh, an orphanage in Romania that we, it wasn't, it's not mine, but I have a lot of authority there, and I have my finger in the pie, and I can tell them what to do and what not to do and oversee it, uh, and so on and so forth. So just those two. And, um, and then 10 years ago, exactly 10 years ago, 2010, one day I was just sitting at home and, and thought, you know what, I wonder if this texting stuff would affect anybody if I, if I text some pastor friends of mine, just pastors that are friends, personal friends, and that are partners of our ministry that love us anyway, I wonder if I just text them and ask them to help out and just ask their church people if they'd give just a dollar. They don't have to stress out on give $100 or 1000 Just Just ask everybody next Sunday, Pastor, would, would they give a dollar to help orphans? Because then if you've got 100 people in your church, that's 100 bucks. If you've got 200, that's 200 bucks. And I'll put all those dollars together, and we'll help some kids. And uh, it just was an overwhelming success, Kelvin. I mean, I just sent a double handful, maybe 20, maybe 50 or 20 pastor friends of mine. I just said, hey, uh, you know, would you just ask your people this this week? I know they're stressed. Don't push them. Don't, don't pressure them. Just ask them if they'll give a dollar. And uh, I tell you what, we got in thousands of thousands of dollars. And so we didn't just send to, to the two in India and Romania. We kicked it out to, uh, to uh, also to two orphanages that I knew of and had visited for many, many years in Haiti, excuse me, Jamaica, and then three orphanages in, in Haiti. And so it was just such a blessing. In fact, the orphanage in Haiti wrote me, or called me, the lady over there who I've known forever, and she called and said, Brother Terry said, uh, this money you sent for these kids, um, is it okay if we buy them goats? And I said, no, you can't buy them goats for Christmas. That's not a good Christmas present. And she said, no, 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 you don't understand. They want goats for Christmas. I said, no, they don't. I said, I know kids. I know what little boys want. I know what little girls want. They don't want goats. They want toys. And uh, she said, no, you don't understand. She said, many of us here at the orphanage were orphans ourselves. And we had goats growing up, and so we raised them, and it gave us responsibility, and we fed them and took care of them, and then they bred, and then they had goats, and then we got milk from them, and we sold the goats for money. And, and, and these kids would like to have goats for Christmas. And I said, well... That kind of gets my goat. I said, you know, if you're, I said, if, if, you're not, if you're telling me the truth, and shame on you if you're not, if you're telling me the truth, and it's okay if you want to buy these kids, kids, you know, it's, it's okay. And so just, uh, just, I said, I think they'd rather have soccer balls and footballs and, you know, all kinds of bicycles and stuff like that, but if, you, if they won't. And so they got all excited and got goats. And then the next year, Kelvin, it got bigger, and we added more orphanages. And next year, it got bigger, we added more, and next year, it got bigger. And every year, it's grown. It's just grown. And uh, I didn't know what would happen this year with COVID, and people are hurting, and people are out of jobs, and, and, and our government's destroying small businesses, and, 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 and the, the devil's running rampant, and the people in Congress and the Senate are idiots, and uh, people in Washington, and people in Hollywood are just, just morons and demon-possessed, and... <laughs> And they're, they're attacking the church. Let me tell you something from an old guy. Take it from an old guy who's been, this is my, next, tomorrow, starts my 53rd year doing third world missionary evangelism. Started when I was 18. Next, in February, I'll be 71. And uh, so, I know communist countries. I mean, I know them. Been there, done that. I mean, I was in Russia when it was still, when it was still the Soviet Union. I mean, before the wall ever fell, I was there. 
I was sneaking in the countries and smuggling Bibles in the countries and doing things all these decades and decades and decades. And I, I know communism. And communism has two enemies. Communism cannot function. Cannot function in a nation that has a church and it has a middle class. They just can't function, H. They can't do it. So every communist leader in the world, the first thing he does is attacks the church and attacks the middle class. And, of course, they go after the guns, but that's part of going after the middle class. Uh, and, and because they can't function with a strong church, and they can't function with the middle class. So they've got to get rid of the middle class. So all of a sudden, the United States of America, our, our morons in office... On both sides of the aisle, I mean the stupid Democrats and the stupid Republicans, the, the unpatriotic people, uh, un-American that ought to be jailed, have, have come against small business, have come against the middle class. They don't like you, and they sure don't like you being in church. You know, Cuomo, what's his name, Chris? Not the governor, but the, the newscaster, his brother. Both of them are demons. Chris Cuomo just said this week, he said, he said, there is no room for Christians. He said, you Christians need to shut up because there is no room for your voice. And I'm thinking, uh-huh, check, communist, get rid of the church. And he says he's a Christian. How many of us believe he's a Christian? How many of us believe if the horn blew today that he'd go to heaven? Nope, he'd go to hell. He can say Christian all he wants to, but he is not a Christian. Christian means Christ-like, imitator of King Jesus, right? And so, you know, Nancy Pelosi said the other day, she said, she said, you people need to understand, the Republicans need to understand, and the Trump supporters need to understand that everything is on the table. Now, what does that old dried-up crow mean when she says that? When she says everything's on the table, that means they're willing to murder, which they have. That's not off the table. They're willing to steal, which they are. They're willing to cheat, which they are. They're willing to lie, which they are. They have no scruples, no morals, no honor, no integrity whatsoever. And they're coming after the church. Now, they've been doing it for a long time. We just haven't let them. Now, Hillary Clinton said last election, when she was running, uh, or two elections ago, when she, or when she was running against Mr. Trump, she made this statement. She said, when I am president, the church is going to change her doctrine. Check, communist, go after the church. Can you imagine the arrogance? Can you imagine the arrogance of that wicked woman that thinks the church is going to change for her? That the church is going to change? That God's going to change? The Bible's going to change for her? Well, she's out of her ever-loving mind. Now, 2020 was a test run. And the church failed miserably. The church folded like a cheap suit. They said, stay home. Church, every pastor I know, well, most of the pastors I know, a few didn't, 
most pastors I know felt like I did and said, hey, we'll, we'll be honorable. We, if you want us to close a couple of weeks, we, 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 it's not going to hurt us. We, we're okay with that. We, we, uh, we understand obey the laws of the land. We, we understand that unless they violate biblical principle. But we'll be nice for a couple of weeks. You told us, you'd tell us it'd take two weeks, so we'll give you two weeks. Well, here we are in week what? And they're still lying to us. And the church folded like a cheap suit. Now, King George in England, when we were fighting the American Revolution, King George made this statement. He said, I am more afraid of the black-robed regiment, meaning the preachers, because preachers all wore black robes back then. I am more afraid of the black-robed regiment than I am of all of George Washington's Continental Army. He said, that's where the power is. Because those preachers always talked about politics in church and always talked about the news of the day in church and always talked about what needed to be done in church. And so after they finished preaching some fiery sermon, they'd just, Sunday morning service over, they'd just take their black robe off and underneath it was their military uniform and their guns. Then they'd say, who's going to battle with me? And all the guys say, yeah, me. And they'd all grab their guns and put their Bible down, grab their gun, take off. And King George said, I'm more afraid of the black robe regiment than I am of all of George Washington's Continental Army. And what I want to know is, and what I've been asking my preacher friends is, where's the black-robed regiment? Where's the, where's, the, where's the preachers that aren't cowards? We used to have preachers that aren't cowards, Kelvin. Now we have a remnant. Now we have a few preachers that aren't cowards, but most of them are cowards. And they're friends of mine. You understand what I'm saying to you? We, we, we cannot fold. There's more of us than there is of anybody else. We are a Christian nation. And if we just say, hey, we're not, we're not staying out of church, they just can't arrest all of us. They just can't do it. There's too many of us. Amen. Michigan, University of Michigan was playing football the other day. And, and University of Michigan has the largest stadium in the world. Holds 115, 20,000 people, something like that. Largest football stadium. And, uh, and there's nobody in it. And so they're out there playing football. And I sat there and said to some friends of mine, I said, you know, if 115,000 people had showed up today, and just said, we're going in. We don't care what you say. What would they have done? What would they have done? They can't do anything. What are they going to do, call the army out and have them shoot you? Oh, it really is a communist country. I'm staying at the embassy suites in Laredo today, and, and I checked in last night, about midnight, and uh, I told the young lady, I said, What's the deal with your hotel? I said, the parking lot's nearly empty. I said, every time I'm here, I'm here this time of year, every year for the last 20 years, and it's just running over. And she said, well, she said, the military's here. She said, half the, half the hotel is taken over by the, by the U.S. Army. And I said, okay. And so I saw two or three Army guys today. Of course, I'm an Army veteran. And so I stopped and talked to two or three of them, and I asked one of them, I said, what are y'all, what are y'all, what are y'all doing here? How come the hotel's half full of U.S. Army? 
He said, oh, we're, we're changing tires. Some of these military installations around here. And I said, okay, that's the party line. <laughs> what are you really doing here? All those installations have guys that can change tires. I mean, come on, give me something now. Give me, give me something believable. You're all here staying at the embassy suites changing tires? I may have been born at night, but it wasn't last night. My, 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 my. But see, 2020, when I was here last, last one year ago tonight, we, we would have never dreamed that just a few weeks later, the churches would close. We would have never dreamed that just a few weeks later, the world would close. And how easy it was. It was so easy. And see, if they had just stood up and said, we don't believe in God, so we're closing all the churches. All of us Christians have got mad and got our Bibles and guns and said, we're going to church. But when they said it the way they said it, we said, oh, we'll just stay home. I was at a hair appointment the other day, and a lady doing my hair, she said, uh, I'm kind of liking this online TV stuff. She said, she, this way on Sunday morning, I can just watch church and get my, get my vacuuming done and my, my dishes done. And I said, and you're not hearing anything. You got, you got your pastor on in the living room and you're vacuuming and you're doing dishes. You're not taking notes and getting into it and letting it get in your spirit and think you're in church. It was so easy. It was just so easy. I'm embarrassed at how easy it was. And you know, I know Corona's real. There's no question about that. I know it's a virus. But so is a bunch of other viruses that are a whole lot worse. I mean, this is the virus with a 99% recovery rate. I'll take those odds every day and twice on Sunday. I was up preaching in Michigan the other day, and, and uh, I don't know how many of y'all have ever been to Michigan and been across the Mackinac Bridge. Man, it is a serious bridge across some serious water. You been across that bridge? Well, I told the church while I was preaching, and I said, you know, I read an article today that said uh, that the Mackinac Bridge is only 99% safe. So next time I'm going to swim. That's about how stupid this is. This disease is 99% safe. So we're all going to stay home. We're going to kill our old people. Let's just kill the old folks. We've already, we've already passed laws that it's okay to kill the babies. It's okay to murder babies. It's okay to have abortion. So now let's go ahead and kill the old folks. What these, old, what these people that make these laws that say it's okay to kill old folks, the, the problem they forget is they're going to be an old folks. Isn't that amazing? So anyway, I'm telling you that 2021 is going to be so much better because, because you've gotten smarter over the year. You're not as scared as you was. I hate to say you're not as stupid as you were because you weren't ever stupid, but you were, you were <laughs> deceived. You were, you were nice. You, you, you were nice and let them pull the wool over your eyes and said, 
the government must be right. Nay, that's a good word for it. And that's what I used to think. I used to be, man, anything government says must be right. Gee whiz. So we, we can look back at 2020 and see how we acted. And say, we aren't doing that again. We're not doing that. Amen. And I don't care if you wear a mask or don't wear a mask. I don't care if you social distance or don't social distance. I don't care what you do. It's none of my business. I'm just saying, don't be deceived. And don't be naive and don't be misled and don't be, don't be the, just, 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 the, the, just the sheeple that gets... Isn't that amazing? I've been five or six businesses this week, just here, just since we've been down to Houston, and and uh, been in businesses, and they, they say, uh, "You have a mask?" I say, "No." I say, "You want one?" I say, "No." I say, "I'll take one if your your boss makes you do it." I mean, I'll I'll, I'll wear it, but but I said, "Long as you'll agree with me that they it's scientifically proved they don't work." Oh yeah, we know they don't work, but our boss makes us do it. I said, "Okay, as long as you know that." As long as we're both agreed and understand that this is stupid and that we're just being sheeple, then, hey, I'll wear it for you if that's what you want. Now, Renee won't. She's mean. <laughs> I've only been kicked out of one place. And I said, fine, I'll spend my money somewhere else. And I said, I know... <laughs> And I said, I know it's not your fault. No, it's my boss makes me do it. I said, I understand that. I, don't, I get that. But I'm not going to spend any money here. I'm, I'm just going to leave. So what I'm saying is, we did 2020. Bad as it was, dumb as it was, stupid as it was, crazy as it was. But we ought to be smarter now in 2021 and say, okay, now we know what works. Now we know what doesn't work. Now we know, of course it's a disease, of course it's a virus, of course it's an infection, of course it's a flu, of course it is, just like a gazillion other ones we've dealt with over the years, and this one has a 99% recovery rate. Now, of course, it's bad if, you've, if your immune system's already compromised, if you, if you already, you know, already have a, 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 a comorbidity, if you've already got something else going, then it's more dangerous like every other one is. They forget, I mean... When I was a little boy, uh, we had polio. Now, that was serious. That was not a 99% recovery rate. That was dead. And I remember driving down the road in neighborhoods with my parents or with my grandparents, and you'd drive down the road, and you'd see a sign on a house that says quarantine. Then you'd be driving down another block or two, and there'd be a sign quarantine. You'd drive a few more blocks, quarantine. You'd see a house every once in a while. But we didn't quarantine healthy people. This is the first time in history we've quarantined healthy people. We've always quarantined sick people. And said, sick people can't get out and about to make other people sick. Sick people have to stay home. But now we say, hey, healthy people have to stay home. Whose idea was that? Other than to stop the church. I mean, tell me something. If you can go to Walmart... And you can go to Target, and you can go to the tattoo parlor. <laughs> really? Seriously? 
and you can go to the casino. Hey, we, we, got, we, we, we got casinos in Oklahoma, man. Those Indian tribes, they ain't making some money. And you can go to a casino, but you can't go to church. COVID will get you at church, but it won't get you at a casino. Won't get you at Walmart. Won't get you to small business. Or it will get you to small business. All we've done is shut down small businesses. Isn't that right? We've shut down small businesses. And yet the big businesses are making buku money. Because you can't go to the small business, so now you have to go to the big business. So it's all a control situation that we now have learned, and we won't do that again in 2021. I'm encouraging you in 2021, don't do that. Let's be smarter. Amen? I mean, this missionary, the only thing I hated about 2020, uh, and this is what I've said, Kelvin, in every church I've been in, uh, I said, the, if there's anything good, anything at all good that could come out of this biological scourge of COVID-19, if there's anything at all good that could come out of it, I trust it's that the church of Jesus Christ wakes up and sees that it has shut down missions. Missions. We can't go preach the gospel to where people haven't heard the gospel. You know, all this, you know, I always have a full schedule. My calendar's full and preaching at my partner churches in the States and going overseas and preaching missions overseas. And so this year, of course, everything got canceled. Well, you know, I didn't mind that so bad as far as the churches in the States. And I told Renee, I said, you know, I don't, I don't mind these churches in the States canceling me because they're Christians. If they die, they'll go to heaven. If I didn't come here tonight, if we canceled tonight and I didn't come, y'all would be okay if you didn't hear me because you're Christians. And if you die next week or next month, you'll go to heaven. But I had to cancel a crusade in Pakistan. In Pakistan. I told you last year, I said, I'm going to a Middle Eastern country, and I said, I'm not going to tell you the name of it right now because it's dangerous. So, no, it's Pakistan. And it was for, the, for May, the first week of May, we were supposed, and we were going to have 100,000 Muslims in the crowd. Renee and I had already committed to, 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 to rent 600 buses. 600 buses. We had already committed to rent 600 buses to bring the people to and from the crusade. Committed $100 a piece, $60,000 just just for buses to bring the people to the meeting. 100,000 Muslims. We'd have had blind eyes open, deaf ears unstopped, cripples walked, devils cast out, and the greatest miracle of all, we'd had salvation. And we had to cancel. And I didn't care about every church in America that canceled me. I didn't care about that. I said, they're all right, they're fine, they don't need me. They're okay. But I've grieved, Diana, I've grieved. It was hard on me through May, June, July. I mean, I, I grieved. I'm still grieving, but not as hard as I was. I, I grieved over those 100,000 Muslims that if they die, if they die before they hear the gospel, they're going to hell. And they're going forever. We tried to reschedule it for September. They said, no, you can't come in September. We tried to reschedule it for this March. They said, no, so we've got it scheduled now for next September. But how many of those 100,000 people are going to die in a year, year and a half? 
I tell you, we've preached, we've gotten on the radio, we've gotten on, on, on we, we, we've sent videos, we've done Zoom meetings, we've, we've, my Lord, we've done all kinds of stuff. We're sending $500 a month to, to Pakistan just to, just to get translators to dub our voices into the Urdu language. You ought to hear Renee preaching in Urdu, and, and, and into the Urdu language on our, on our TV program. So, and, and people are getting saved and getting healed off of those. And I even did one the other day where I'm, where I'm preaching instead of teaching. Because in an open-air crusade, you don't teach, you preach. You know, they're sinners. They don't have Bibles. So you don't say, okay, open your Bibles tonight. They don't have Bibles. Turn to 1 Thessalonians. They don't know what that is. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you the rhema and the logos tonight. They don't know what that is. You, you can't teach. You don't teach in crusades. You don't teach sinners. You preach. You announce the good news. Preaching is always declaring uh, a, declarative, uh, a declarative statement. Yeah. It's, it's Jesus is the Son of God. That's a declarative statement. Uh, there's no debate about that. There's no teaching on that. He, he just he is the Son of God. Amen. He was born of a virgin. He lived on this earth as a man. He died on the cross, a substitutionary death on the cross for you, paid for your sins in his own body on the cross that you, by believing on him, can live with him forever. Those, those are all declarative Stay, there's no teaching in that. You can't even, you can't even teach the gospel because you don't understand it. Billy Graham didn't understand it. Oil Roberts didn't understand it. Kenneth Hagin didn't understand it. Brother Copeland doesn't understand it. Nobody understands the gospel. That's why, you can't, that's why you can't explain it. It has to be announced. How are you going to explain that Jesus was the king of all kings and yet he's born in a manger? How do you explain that his blood, that he took his blood when he died and he left, went to hell and left hell and went to heaven and sprinkled his blood on the mercy seat? And he did what? He sprinkled his blood on the mercy seat and he came back. And how are you going to explain that? You don't understand it. People have said to me for decades, I said, Brother Terry, would you teach me to win souls? I don't seem to be able to win souls because I start trying to win souls to my, my relatives and my friends and my, my people at work, and it just all gets messed up. And I never, I never, I said, the reason you can't win souls is because you're, you're trying to explain the gospel to them. You're not announcing it to them. And the reason you try to explain is because you like them. You love them, so you're trying to ease them into it. You don't want it to be too hard, so you, you try to explain, and, and you can't explain it because you don't understand it, so you're trying to explain something you don't understand. And then right in the middle of that, the devil, remember the devil? Right in the middle of that, the devil starts a fire to see if you'll stop and put it out or not. So right in the middle of you explaining to your brother-in-law or your sister or whoever, right in the middle of all that, they say, uh, what about the pastor that ran off with the piano player? <laughs> so, so there's a fire you've got to stop and put out. Well, and you start, and so you finally get that dealt with, and you start in again, to, and they say, yeah, but what about, what about, the, what about the pastor that, that stole all that money from the church? So if the devil knows you'll stop and put out a fire, then what's he going to do? Start fires. You know, my big open-air crusades overseas, I'll have 100,000 people in the crowd. And, uh, and all of a sudden, some demon-possessed person out there just starts going crazy. 
I can't see them. That crowd's like huge. But, but what happens is when they start going crazy, people around them back up. So from the platform, you see a hole. You just see a, 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 you can't see the person, but you just see all of a sudden the crowd do this, and you see there's a hole out there about 100 yards or 50 yards. Well, so you know there's a demon acting up out there. He's hitting on people or biting people or, 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 or throwing rocks at people. or he, He's doing something. So now if I stop H and get off the platform, now nobody can see me. There's 100,000 people out there can't see me. And I'm the leader. I'm the guy they're listening to, right? Now they're not listening to me anymore. Lay the microphone down. Get off the platform. Make my way out there. Excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. Finally get out there. There's a demon for this guy. Come out of him in the name of Jesus. Pow. Walk all the way back up there to start, pick up the microphone and start to preach again. Guess what the devil's going to do? He's going to gig another demon for this person and say, act up. So I'll never get to preach. And they'll never get to hear the word. Just because I'm dumb enough to quit doing what I'm supposed to be doing and go put out a fire. Does that make sense to you? And it's the same way in your soul winning, trying to win souls to your relatives or your friends or your co-workers because you're, you're trying to be easy and gentle with them and they start a fire. And you're trying to tell them something you don't understand. Because, see, the Bible says, Paul said, the power of God, the power of God is on salvation. Every one of you are, are soul winners and anointed to be soul winners. You don't know that maybe, but you're, you're anointed. Maybe the only thing in your life you're anointed to do is to, is to be a soul winner. And when you start to witness to somebody, an anointing comes. Not when you start trying to explain. When you start to announce. Then an anointing comes. And Paul said it's the power of God. Romans chapter 1. It's the power of God unto salvation. See? And you get them saved. Because heaven starts helping you. Heaven starts working with you. That anointing starts working. But, but that anointing doesn't show up when you're trying to explain it. Renee, come on up here and say hi to the folks. I kept thinking I'm going to stop and let you come up here, but it seems like to me I'm just going to keep going. I don't sound like I'm going to, I don't sound like I'm going to stop. Pastor's got one. Well, Happy New Year, everybody. Happy New Year. We're going to do great things for the Lord. The Bible says, They that know their God shall be strong and do exploits. And so God's going to require, I think, of this last day's church uh, that we are stronger than any other church that's, that's been on the planet. Amen? Yes. And we can't be cowards and we can't be lazy. We've got to do the work of God. And I would encourage you uh, to go to, to the Old Testament and begin to look at some of the battles that Israel fought and look how uh, militant Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were, how confident Daniel was, yeah. how David's language before Goliath, and just practice in your bedroom. <laughs> you know, just start, just, um, I even think about this so many times, Calvin and Monica, that even the three little pigs talked back to the big bad wolf, you know? Even the three little pigs talked back to the big bad wolf. 
And like Terry was saying, we've got to talk back. Terry has taught so many times about these wonderful Old Testament um, figures, but I started years ago, I guess, when, when we started... I don't know if any of y'all are old enough to remember Walter Cronkite and some of these other people that would come on the news. And and I would just get to where I'd talk back and say, well, that's not right. I don't believe that. And then when when CNN came on and they'd have some commentary and they'd ask some person what they thought about it. I said, I don't need them to tell me what to think about it. I'm smart. I went to school. I can read. I can write. I don't need somebody on TV to tell me what I think. I started yelling that back in the 80s, the 90s, <laughs> and I'm real loud now. And, uh, you know, I just quit watching all of the major news channels. I, don't, I, I, I get online and I figure out who I can trust and, and put a few things together. And I, I do my own research. Like someone said recently, we are the news. We're the people that go find out. And you know, one of the greatest things, Pastor Kelvin, that I found out being raised Pentecostal was that I learned sitting in church to hear truth. Sitting in a Pentecostal church full of the Holy Ghost as an eight-year-old child, I grew up hearing some of the greatest ministers of the gospel of our generation, Gordon Lindsay, William Branham, T.L. Osborne, all of these people come through my church, great, great missionaries for, during that, that time, uh, the Lowenbergs and Nishimoto's and all these people that were great Pentecostal missionaries that took the first gospel printing press into the nation of Thailand, and all of these people that knew how to preach the gospel, I grew up hearing truth. And it helps you know on the inside by the Holy Ghost that when somebody's lying, you know it. Whether it's on TV or if it's face to face, you ought to know it. Isn't that right? And we need to practice discerning of spirits. We need to practice the boldness of the Holy Ghost. And just like in the Old Testament, I'm telling you there was a fierceness with those men and women, wasn't there? I mean, David and them, the Lord, you know, when, when he decided to go and, and pursue those people that came and, and stole everything, you know, from the camp, and he went to the rear of the camp, and everybody's mad at him, and they said, uh, you know, while you were off fighting, they came and took everything that we had, and the Lord told him, he said, you go. Shove somebody next to you, slap them, and say, first command of the gospel is to go. That's you. <laughs> go. said, you go, pursue overtake and recover all. That should be our mantra for 2021. Everything that's been stolen this year, we're going to get it back. Everything that the enemy has tried to diminish and dwarf the church, we've got to stand up and say, not by the hair of our chinny chin chin. At least we're going to stand up and we're going to take it back for Jesus. And we're going to win more souls and, and be more faithful and have more power. And we will not be dwarfed by a lie from hell or a news media that wants to brainwash the American people into thinking we can't do this. But it's going to have to come from the people of God because the world doesn't know how to tell the truth. Not only do they not know how to hear truth, but all they know how to do is repeat what they've been told. And it's so sad to see that happen in America. 
So you need to cheer your pastors on when they're up here preaching the truth. You need to say, amen, that's true. We're going to go do it this week. We're not just here to say amen, look cute, give our offering, and walk out. We're going to go do this. We're going to be doers of the word and not just hearers only. Amen? There has to be a fierceness. Just like in the Old Testament, we're going to be full of the love of God, full of grace, full of goodness, full of forgiveness to give to the world. But I'm telling you, if the devil shows up, we're going to be the first one to whip out our sword and say, no, you won't. But, but you, let me just say this and I'll sit down. I want you to realize you have to practice talking like this at home in your prayer time. Because if you don't practice this in your own private personal prayer time and you're fierce in your prayers, you're not going to know how to face a gunman at McDonald's. Isn't that right? You're not going to jump out of bed one day and be Wonder Woman. <laughs> you know? You're not going to be able to jump out of bed one day and be American Sniper if you're not practicing this kind of personality in the prayer room. And boy, that's one thing I learned, you know, among the Pentecostals. There were some tough praying women in the prayer room that I didn't want to cross. <laughs> that I knew that if, if I didn't act right all through school, if I was doing something I shouldn't be doing, those little ladies knew it by the Holy Ghost. And they'd make me go to the prayer room every Sunday night, and, they, and I would stay. It wasn't until I got prayed through. I, I stayed till they got prayed through. <laughs> and thank God for a church that did that. Thank God for godly men and women that influenced me as a small child that prayer was where the power was. That prayer was where the Word of God was. That the power was in the Word and the power was in my words as I spoke the Word of God in prayer. And I'm telling you, then when I learned one day about the Word of Faith, that this book was nothing but a, but a Holy Ghost glorified prayer book, man, did I go to town with my prayers. I went to, t I'm telling you, I poured the coals on in prayer. So we want, I want to encourage you this year that as the church, be greater than you've ever been. Be stronger than you've ever been. My mantra has been, be loud, be bold, be proud. Because <laughs> the Apostle Paul said he was not ashamed of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And like Terry says, you just need to go around town and say, you know, the Lord is good. You know, just strike up a conversation with people. Just say, oh, I'm telling you, God's got, God's got tremendous blessings for you. You want me to pray for you? The blessing of the Lord will come on your business. You know, be bold. Talk to people. Be kind. Be good. Be caring. Don't be obnoxious and rude and arrogant. But go out there and be full of the love of God and be, be ready to just say, you know, is there anything I can pray for you about today before I leave? You don't have to announce it. Just pull the owner over. Pull somebody over and say, can I pray for you for about anything? Because I'm telling you, I'm seeing Jesus do miracles all over town. I don't want you to be left, left out because God's got a miracle for you too. And you know, if you'll pray with them, agree with them, love on them a little bit, show them that you're a real sincere, caring, normal person. <laughs> And that you want to do, see God do great things in your life. I'm telling you, Paul said, told Timothy, stir up the gift of God that is on the inside of you. 
And I'm telling you, if nothing else, go home and get you a big spoon, tape it on the wall, and tell hell I'm stirring. <laughs> Amen? Amen. God bless you. You're the church. You can do the will and the work of God. The power of God is greater in us than anything that's out there in the world. Get you a map of Hebronville in South Texas and start yelling at it every day and commanding the harvest to come in. Amen? Amen. That's what we do. Okay. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> God bless you. Praise the Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. Y'all stand up with me if you would, please. Praise the Lord. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word tonight. Thank you for speaking to us by the Holy Ghost. Thank you for ministering to us, Father, by your Spirit. Lord, we commit this final service of 2020 to you. And we enter 2021 with fire in our bones with our shields up, with our sword out, and we're ready. We're ready to be the army of God, the people of God, called by your name, a royal priesthood, a holy generation, a people set apart. Father, we're not just mere men. We're not just mere men and mere women. We're not. We're not to think like the world, act like the world, talk like the world, dress like the world, smell like the world. You said, come out from among them and be ye separate. Father, it's time they know we're the people of God called by your name. And we thank you for it. Thank you for speaking to us tonight by your spirit that I'll not speak of myself or in the flesh, but the Holy Spirit, the greater one that indwells me. Rise up big within me now and think through my thoughts and speak through my lips. Minister words tonight that will get on the inside of us and will keep us going into the new year and through it in Jesus' name. That we are conquerors more than. They can look us up under conquerors more than. And we're about the master's business. We're not going to live like everybody else, be like everybody else. We're different. We're, we talk different. We think different. We act different. We're just passing through. We're not citizens of this world. We're citizens of heaven. We're just passing through. Heaven's our home. And we thank you that while we're on this earth, we represent you. We stand for righteousness. We stand for godliness. We stand for holiness. We stand for you. And we speak for you as your mouthpiece. And we thank you for it. Father, I pray your blessings and your increase and your abundance on every person under the sound of my voice those watching online tonight, those here in the house tonight, the blessings of God come on them and overtake them and follow them around. And Father, I pray that the destroying anointing of the Holy Ghost of Acts, the tangible anointing, Father, you said the anointing destroys the yoke of bondage. So the destroying anointing, destroy. Fall in the room tonight where people are watching online. Fall in this house tonight where people are standing here with me. Fall by this destroying anointing and destroy 
COVID-19. Destroy AIDS and HIV. Destroy cancer. Destroy lupus and leukemia. Whatever, whatever yoke is represented in the place tonight or online tonight, whatever the yoke is, the anointing destroys it in the name of Jesus. The anointing. The anointing. Oh, the anointing. The anointing, Father, destroys the yoke of bondage. And we give you the glory and the honor and the praise and the majesty and dominion. And Father, I say that Faithway Church this year, 2021, Lord, people won't even recognize us. In Jesus' name. They'll look at us and say, don't you know COVID's going on? Don't you know this is going on? Don't you know that's going on? And we say, yeah, but it doesn't affect us. We got things to do. We're, we're, we've got orders. We're, we're, we're soldiers under command. We're about the master's business. Thank you, Father. We give you the glory, the honor, the praise, the majesty, dominion in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen, amen. Well, you can be seated. I tell you this every year, that every January, every January, every January, God gives every one of us a brand new checkbook. Every year, every January, you get a new checkbook. Heaven issues you a checkbook, and it's, it's got 12 checks in it. One is labeled January, one is labeled February, right on through December. And uh, this year of 2020... We have spent 11 of those checks already, and tonight's the last night for that 12th check. At midnight tonight, that 12th check goes into history. We can't change it. We can't get it back. We can't change our mind. It's, it's in the annals of time. We can't get this day back. Amen? And tomorrow, tonight at midnight, we get a new checkbook that says 2021. January. And, and at the end of the year next year, standing here next year, we'll say, how did we spend 2021? Too late to do anything about how you spent 2020. If you've got a couple more hours, you might say, well, I'm going to make some things up. I'm going to fix some things while i still got time. But what, what have we done to 2020 for the glory of God? Have we just stuck our head in the sand and said, oh my God, this is awful? Or have we done something for the glory of God? What are we doing for the glory of God? You know, I've been to many countries over the years and tried to have a crusade or tried to have a meeting in town, and, and I've gone to the magistrate or the mayor or the governor or whoever's in charge of that area, and I've gone in to try to get them to let me have a meeting, and they'd say, no, no, you can't do it. No, you can't do it. I remember being in Colima. One, one thing stands out in my mind. I was in Colima, Mexico one time. Mayor of the town. I talked and talked. I talked and I was blue in the face. And he said, no. And I said, come on, man. This is going to help your city. It's going to help your people. I'm going to rent the bull ring. I'm going to preach in the bull ring. People are going to come. Blind people are going to come. Deaf people are going to come. Crippled people are going to come. God's going to heal them and they'll see and they'll hear and they'll walk. It, it'll bless your town. And this is going to be marvelous it's going to be wonderful and he said no you can't do it it's against the law i said i know but come on let's do it no can't do it if 
finally I got up, walked over to his desk. He sat behind his desk, and I got up and walked. And I leaned over to his desk like this and looked him in the eye, and I said, I said, what have you done lately for the glory of God? And he looked at me, and his eyes got moist, and tears started going down his face. And he said, you know, my mama's a Christian. My mama went to church and took me to church. And he said, I haven't done anything for the glory of God. He said, go ahead and have your crusade. Just that one little phrase. What have you done lately for the glory of God? And the mayor of Colima, Mexico said, I hadn't done a thing. But my mama went to church. Go ahead and have your crusade. He said, but can you not call it a crusade? We, it's illegal. We just can't call it a, a Christian crusade. I said, okay. I said, we're going to call it and put it in the newspapers. We're going to call it a, a, a congress, un congreso, for the betterment of Mexican children. My philosophy was if you, help, if you get the parents saved, it's good for the kids. And he said, that's great. Let's call it that. So we went and rented the bull ring and had a crusade and had miracles, blind eyes open, deaf ears unstopped, cripples, it was wonderful. A Congress for the betterment of Mexican children. Hmm. What have you done for the glory of God? How have we spent 2020? And how are we going to spend 2020? 2021 is a marvelous opportunity. We, we said, wow, I've got 12 months to do something for God. I've got 12 checks, January, February, March, April. I, 12 checks I can spend. And a year from tonight, we'll say, hey, I, let me tell you, I'm happy about how I spent 2021. You know when this COVID thing started, whenever it was, February, I guess, that they started talking about it. Renee and I were preaching in Florida, and they started coming down with the, you know, where's in Miami, Florida, preaching, Kelvin? And, and the, the church put us on a, in, on a hotel right on the beach, and it was so sad to look out there and the beach is empty. I've never seen that beach empty in my life. I mean, there was not a soul. I looked out in the water, not a boat. Close down the water, close down the ocean. And I said, now how can it be not socially distancing when you're fishing in the ocean? This is nuts. People are just stupid. Y'all have noticed some of these rules this year are just stupid. There's no, no, no basis in fact. Just like I said, well, go back. You can go to Walmart, but you can't go to the mom and pop store, right? What? You go to, go to the casino, but you can't go to church. What? It's just nuts. And I look out there, and there's nobody in the ocean. They close down the boat ramps. Guys can't put their boats in the water. I think, man, when I'm getting a boat and I'm out there fishing, I'm miles from anybody. I'm not breathing on anybody. But anyway, when this thing started, and we saw where it was going, we just came together and said, let's make a commitment right now that we're going to double our giving. We're going to give more this year than we've ever given. We're going to, we're going to just, just... We started looking for places to give. We started looking for orphanages, and Renee said to me, she said, you know, we met a couple that was in Mexico... And they're right on the Texas border down at Del Rio, right across the, right across the river in, in, in Vicuña. And uh, they had an orphanage. I said, call them up. Let's give them some money. So she called them up and she said, hey, we're going to send you all $2,000. And they started crying. 
And they said, that's the exact budget, the amount of money we need right now, and our partners are, you know, aren't, aren't giving. And, uh, and so we just started giving more and giving more and just doubling our giving. And you know, Kevin, this, this, this Christmas year, in, in, in the pandemic, in the COVID, in the, in the stuff, we, we gave away more money to orphans this year than we ever have. In the last count I had, we've got to count it all up because money's still coming in. I had a pastor call me just last night and say, hey, I'm sending you some money for the orphans. I said, well, you know, Christmas is over. And he said, well, I'm still sending it. And I said, well, then I'll send it out when it gets here. And uh, uh, last count I had, it was 20 nations. We started a long time ago with two nations, Indian Romania. 20 nations. And uh, was it 34? 36 entities, 36 homes, and, and widows, widows included, and orphans. And Oh, the widows, we didn't count that in, so that's more, that's more than that. We put, a, we put a roof on three widows' homes this year, one in, one in Zambia, uh, Africa, uh, one in Romania, two in Romania. We dug six water wells. You know, kids have to have water. I mean, people have to have water. Water's life. We dug six water wells. And uh, the, uh, you know, when we dig a well, we always put it at a local church. We try to make one of our churches, one of our brand, but if our brand's not there, we just put it in the Catholic church or whatever church. What do I care? I just, I just want to be at the church so in the minds of the people, they realize they have to come to church to get the water. Amen. We, we just bought a missionary, uh, an orphanage in, in uh, Burma, Myanmar, uh, a van. They, they were trying to buy a van that was $9,000. They had 3000 so we'd send them the other six. I mean, God is blessed and blessed and blessed. And I know people are hurting financially. I understand that. And, and I've just been amazed at what uh, the money that's come in to let us help these orphans around the world. So we got 12 checks starting midnight tonight. You get a new checkbook. What are we going to do for the glory of God for 2021? Amen. You know, back a number of years ago, in fact, it was 20 years ago exactly, well, 21 years ago, I guess. It was on New Year's Eve service uh, at Y2K. I guess I wasn't here in 2020 because I was, well, it was 1999. So I guess I was here in 20. But uh, it was Y2K. It was 1999. At midnight, it's becoming 2000. Everybody's freaked out about the computers are going to fall apart and we're going to fall off the edge of the world and and... You know, crazy things are going to happen, and we're all going to die. And I was in Chicago. I was preaching in Chicago, and they were hoarding water. These people were filling their bathtubs up with water. And, and I told them, I said, you're in Chicago. Lake Michigan is right there. One of the biggest lakes in the world, man. It's like an ocean. And you're hoarding water. It's nuts. What's it from? It's from fear. It's from fear. Everybody say this. Fear and faith cannot live in the same house. Say it like you mean at this time. Fear and faith cannot live in the same house. I've been telling people that all this year. Everywhere I go, fear and faith cannot live in the same house. This whole COVID thing has been an exercise from hell in fear. How can we control people? The best way to control them is with fear. You know, throughout history, get me back to Chicago here in a minute. Uh, 
throughout history, when a tragedy hits or a horrible catastrophe hits or a, a, a pandemic, you know, this isn't my first infectious disease. I guess that's why it hadn't bothered me too much when we just said, oh, well, because I, I, I've been to real countries that have real infectious diseases all my life. That's what I do. I'm a missionary. I, I've gone in these countries with infectious diseases all my life. I mean, I, I go in leper colonies with the lepers. That's a horribly contagious disease where people's parts of their body falls off. I don't know if you've ever been around a leper or not. Probably not, but I'm around gobs of lepers. And, and lepers, they, they may not have a nose or, or, or maybe just a little piece of a nose. And they may not have all their fingers because what happens is leprosy rots your body. And then when something hits it, like you scratch your ear, part of your ear will fall. It's rotted. It'll just fall off. Or you reach to pick something up and digit of your finger will fall off. Or you, you, if they're, they're walking barefooted, they usually don't have any toes because they're the toes fall off. I mean, it's a horrible, horrible disease. I mean, those leper highly contagious. And, and, and I mean, I go in there and love on those people and hug them and lay hands on them. I, I, Kevin, I've prayed for so many people over the years and laid hands on them and come back with my hands just covered in bloody froth. You know, where I've just laid hands on some infectious, nasty, bleeding, pus <laughs> disease, you know? And yet the Word says no plague. No plague, no plague, no plague, no plague, no plague comes down your dwelling. But you know, they try to control you with fear. Fear is the controlling factor. And the Bible says God's not given us a spirit of fear. But it has given us a spirit of love and power and of a sound mind. We're not supposed to think like the world. We have a sound mind. Amen. My sound mind believes the Bible. Amen. Anyways, in Chicago, and I was preaching the New Year's Eve night, and I was asking the Lord what to preach on. And I said, Father, these people are scared, man. And, and, and throughout history, I started to say, well, go throughout history, some catastrophes come, some disasters come, some terrible things happen, and so people run and jump in the foxhole and hide. And then they start looking up over the foxhole and see, is there anybody making it? Is anybody making it? Is anybody out there? And they see the church. And they say, oh, man, the church. Let's go to the church. And so they'd run to the church. Throughout history, they'd run to the church because the church isn't being bothered by this stuff. But for the first time ever with COVID, people ran and jumped into foxholes, scared. And they turned around and looked at the guy next to them and said, it's the church. The church has been in the foxhole Right next, for the first time ever, the church is in the foxhole. And so you look out there, and there's nobody. Nobody. We're just listening to whatever talking head they want to stick on television, and that's a disaster. Isn't that right? Somebody said the other day that, that, that Dr. Fauci is our Lord and Savior. Not mine. Not mine. People have got a warped because the church isn't doing her job. But anyway, I asked the Lord, what, what am I going to preach? They're, they're scared. It's Y2K, whatever that means. And, and, and they're scared. And, and what, what, what am I going to preach? And the Lord gave me a word that I'll, I'll share with you tonight. And pretty, pretty simple. The Lord said, 
And I've never preached it since. I preached it that one time 20 years ago, 21 years ago, and uh, I'll share it with you tonight. Let the Lord to do that. But it's real simple. It's just God gave me the four great curses of America and the four great blessings of America. And I know people are scared tonight, wondering what's going to happen to America in 2021. America's never been in the position she's in now. Never, never has America been in this kind of condition. We've gone from the greatest economy we've ever had in American history last January. Last January is the greatest American economy we've ever had. Broke all records to where we're, and where there's hardly any unemployment. Best for blacks, best for Hispanics, best for women, best for everybody. Those are historical facts. Till we went to, to where it's one of the worst economies, if not the worst economy we've ever seen other than the days of the Depression. Isn't that right? Where people don't have jobs. I mean, people are scared. And so the Lord said, there's four great blessings of America that you can count on. And there's four great curses that you better watch out for because America, it, it'll bring America down if we don't, if we don't change this. And I said, okay, what, what are they? And he said, the four great curses, and I'm not going to elaborate, it don't take a long time on any of this. Uh, but he said, the four great curses are, number one, abortion. He said, my word says that uh, I hate. God says, I hate. Everybody says, God is love. God said, I hate those that shed innocent blood. God said, I hate them. I absolutely hate them. If they shed innocent blood, God said, I hate them. That's pretty serious. Now, see, see in, 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 on a cold, dreary, mean, ugly January day in 1973, miserable cold, the, the, black, the, the nine black-robed justices, or I should say injustices of the Supreme Court in January of 1973, with one, with one fell sweep of the pen, obliterated the laws of God and the laws of every state in this nation. And they said, it's okay to murder, murder babies. It's okay to murder babies. Now, you know, my wife and I, Jackie and I, had our first baby, Lynn. You know Lynn very well. We had Lynn in 1973. We couldn't kill him. It's illegal. It's murder. But then we had our next baby, Paul, in 1974. We could have murdered him and been okay. We didn't. But we could have. And everybody would pat us on the back and say, oh, yeah, you're good. It's, okay. it's cool. Except God. And God would have said, I hate those that shed innocent blood. See, the church forgets sometimes. We sing songs about the blood. But we forget that that's not just a word. That's a serious thing with God. God said the blood speaks. Do we really believe that, that the blood speaks? God said, to, God said to Cain when he killed his brother Abel, he said, your brother's blood is crying to me. You don't think that those millions upon millions upon millions upon millions upon millions upon millions of babies murdered since January of 1973, legally murdered till today, you don't think that blood cries out to God? You don't think that blood speaks? 
And you don't think God hears that and hears that and hears that and at some point is going to do something about it? Amen, Brother Terry. That's a good word. So abortion is a great curse of America. Great curse. The lady they used to do Roe versus Wade, you probably all know this. I mean, uh, they, they called her Jane Doe. She was the lady they used for the test case. And uh, they deceived her into doing it. She didn't know what she's doing, and she's fought against it ever since. She's still an active fighter to try to get abortion changed. And she said, they lied to me and deceived me and used me as, a, used me as their poster child. And then the second great curse of America is racism. Now, don't you kid yourself and think racism has gone away. It ain't gone away. It's just gone underground because it's not politically correct anymore. But racism is still very alive. It's a demon from hell. It's hellish. It's mean. It's wrong. It's evil. And it's in every country in the world. Discrimination of any kind is evil. And discrimination is in every country in the world. And take it from a missionary who goes to all these countries. And I've always said that I've seen, I've seen every kind of discrimination there is. And the, the worst discrimination I think I've ever seen in any country in the world, including America, is gender discrimination. That, uh, uh, that women are put down. Now, America, women have it better than most any place in the world, but there are countries in the world that women are just no more than cattle, just no more than animals. I've been in African tribes where men wear a stick on their belt, wear a stick, and if a woman ever looks him in the face, he takes that stick and hits her in the head. She's never allowed to, never allowed to lift, always has to look down, never look a man in the eye, never look her husband in the eye. Y'all seen those pictures on TV and National Geographic and History Channel and stuff of these beautiful black uh, African women that have those golden necklaces and just piled one and two and three and, and, and pretty soon they'll be like, man, their neck will be that long because just since she's a little girl, they've just continued to add a necklace, add a necklace, add a necklace, add a necklace. Y'all seen that? Well, see, that's contrary to what you think, that's not for beauty. Everybody thinks, oh, that's so pretty. That's, that's so pretty, and they do that to decorate uh, and make their women look pretty. No, 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 no. That, that, that's not for beauty. It's for control. Because should that woman ever disobey her husband or ever be unfaithful in her marriage or ever do anything else he doesn't like, they cut those, they cut those necks off. And her neck is this long and has no stability, has no strength in it because it, it's held up by these necklaces so once you remove the the support then her neck just falls like that and and she she suffocates you know so she she holds her neck up so she can breathe but after a while you know if it doesn't break her neck if it just falls it'll, it'll break but i mean if it's gentle it doesn't break she just she just can't she just can't breathe so so discrimination is an evil evil thing in america we have that horrible thing of racism. Have, have, it's always had it. And we're going to have to deal with that. America's got to deal with that and stop that nonsense. That's a curse of America. It's a curse. Curse number three is uh, America's blatant and horrible acceptance in the last couple of decades of other gods. America, you say, no, Jehovah's God. Jehovah's God. There is no God like Jehovah. And we were a Christian nation and declared our Christianity and declared God and declared Merry Christmas 
and Christ. And all of a sudden, over the last couple of decades or so, we've, we've accepted other gods. In fact, I remember, I remember on 9-11, I was preaching in Ukraine. Were you in Ukraine on 9-11 with me? No. I was preaching in Ukraine on 9-11, and then I left Ukraine a couple of days later and went to Israel and preached in Israel. And so I, I saw that, that, that George Bush was going to have a, a, a ceremony, you know, for the, because of the trade center. He's going to have a church memorial service. Billy Graham is going to be there. And, uh, and so I got up in Israel, Israel time. I got up, I don't know, 3 o'clock in the morning, 4 o'clock in the morning or something, so I could see it Washington, D.C. time, so I could watch it on TV. And, I'm, and I sit up there in Israel, and I'm watching this, this church service, and, and my spirit was just nauseous, and I was just, oh, no. Because President Bush had Billy Graham there, but then there was a whole line of priests and preachers, and, and one was an, an Indian shaman, and one was a Muslim imam, and one was a... Hindu priest, and one was a Buddhist monk. And, and they just went on and on and on and on, and they all got to say something. They're all standing up there with Billy Graham. And I'm sitting in Israel, Monica, yelling at W, at George Bush, saying, you'll pay for that. Don't do that to America. Don't accept those other gods. God said, I'm a jealous God. You can't put those other priests and and shamans and imams and, and you can't put them up and call them preachers of the gospel you can't accept those other gods and why did we do that we're america this nation was founded on god the only nation in the world that was ever created to worship god the only nation in the whole world that was ever created so people could worship God. And here we've got Hindus and Muslims and witch doctors and shamans and Hindu priests with 330 million gods in America. And I said, W, President, this is not going to bode well for America. This is not going to bode well. And God had just told me the year before, the acceptance of other gods is a curse. Well, I didn't even see it then. I thought, oh, we don't accept other gods. And here, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, all of a sudden. And now, here we are 20 years later, it's so much worse. We're just accepting every, every god out of the box. Giving them all equal making them all equal with Jehovah. And God's still a jealous God. And God still says, you shall have no other gods before me. And there are consequences to doing that. And curse number four was the sexual perversion that was being accepted of every kind. And now it's worse. Every kind of sexual perversion. It's not going to be but in the next year or two or three that uh, 
that will pass laws that America, if they don't change, America will pass laws where you can, you can, there's kids in here, so let me say how, let me, they'll pass laws where you can, you can marry your dog. They're trying, they're, they're trying to pass a law right now, right now, to make pedophilia legal. Now, 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 somebody please tell me how in any universe that could be legal. Because by definition, pedophilia is relations with a child. How could that ever be legal? How could they ever give consent? How could, could it ever be? And they're trying to make it, a, a pass a law to make it a hate crime on you if you say something bad about it. Or on me if I say something bad about it from the pulpit. And maybe I'll know that won't affect me. The acceptance of other gods, the acceptance of all kinds of sexual perversions, I mean all kinds, dear Lord, this is nuts. And then racism and abortion, four great curses of this nation that has brought this nation down. And we'll continue to bring it down. Pastor stood up here a while ago and said, it's going to get darker. Well, that's true. As faith people, we don't ever want to say that, but, but the Bible says it's going to get darker and gross darkness, but that doesn't affect you. You are still the light. Unless you start swallowing that stuff and acting like them and say, I'd rather, I'd rather... See, if they're telling you now, hey, buddy, if you don't wear a mask, and uh, then you can't buy or sell... Well, how, how much simple is it going to be when they tell you, if you don't take this chip, you can't get on an airplane. It's just for your own good. Ronald Reagan said the most dangerous words in the English language is when the government comes and says, we're here for your own good. We're here to help you. So once airlines say, well, take the chip or you can't fly to go preach the gospel. Your kids are going to starve. You can't buy groceries. You can't buy, you can't sell, you can't buy gasoline. Then you stop and remember, oh yeah, 2020 was a test. Well, moving right along, let's go to the great blessings of America. God said to me that America is the great friend of Israel. Israel's never had a friend like America. Never, 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 never. And by the way, among all the presidents of the United States of America, Israel's never had a friend like Donald J. Trump. Never. Never. Most, most presidents have been favorable, some more than others. And then Obama was totally opposed to Israel and tried to thwart them at every turn there was. And then Trump came along, and he's been the greatest friend Israel has ever had in the White House. And we'll have to see who fills that seat and how they act. But if they're not a friend to Israel, it's not going to go well for America. Because one of the great blessings of America is that we're a friend to Israel. And God said, I will bless those that bless Israel. But he also said, I will curse those that curse Israel. Amen? Y'all still here? And then he said this to me. He said, he said, Jesus said, blessed is the peacemaker. 
And he said, contrary to everybody's belief, America is a peacemaker. He said, people overseas will tell you America's a warmonger. Even some Americans will tell you America's a warmonger. But that's never been true in history. We don't go attack some country for no reason, without provocation. We don't go attack some country, take them over, take their stuff, and just stay there forever. We're a peacemaker. We're called in and say, please help us, please help us. Please. When Kuwait was taken over by Saddam Hussein, they said, to America, please come help us. South Vietnam said, please come help us. England said, please come help us in World War II and World War I. Right? South Korea said, please come help us. So America's always been the peacemaker and always stood on that principle. And that's a blessing. God's blessed us for that. And then the fourth one is that the, uh, this nation was founded, or excuse me, the third one, this nation was founded on God. Our, our, the 56 signers of the Declaration of Independence uh, were Christian, and many of them were ministers. Many, many, many of them had been to Bible school uh, and become ministers. And the, and, the, and the Constitution and the Bill of Rights and all that is all loaded with references to God. It's founded on God, founded to worship God. And, and they dedicate it to God. And you have to stop and remember. Now, when you dedicate something to God, he doesn't forget that. Some of you parents dedicated your kids to God whenever you had them. You brought them down here and pastor dedicated them. Some of you old folks, you were dedicated to God when you were a baby. And you're here today. Isn't that right? God remembers when you dedicate something to him, when you give something to him, just like the devil does. See, there's nations in the world that have been de dedicated to the devil. Haiti, for one. In 1704, whenever Haiti uh, won, or excuse me, not 1804, when Haiti won her independence, they, they dedicated the nation to Satan. They did it again in 1904. Tried to do it again in 2004, and God used me to go over there and stop that. Changed history. Absolutely changed history. But the devil remembers when something's dedicated to him. He said, it's mine. It's legally mine. And God remembers when something's dedicated to him. And he said, it's mine. It's legally mine. It's absolutely legally mine. So it doesn't matter how bad Hollywood and Washington and all these people... Uh, wax gross and dark and all that other stuff, there's still that light of blessing where God said, but this nation is mine. And then fourthly, this nation has spread the gospel. 76%, last I checked, I'm going to have to check, recheck my figures, but 76% of the world's missionaries have come from America. Now other nations are beginning to send missionaries to places. But, but throughout history, America is the one that has sent the missionaries and preached the gospel around the world. So four great blessings and four great curses of America. And you put those in your notes or put those in your heart and guard them, think about them, pray over them, mutter them under your breath and realize those are why, those are some of the reasons America's cursed and had problems. And those are some of the reasons America's blessed and, been, and, and had blessings. Amen. Y'all still here? You still got a few minutes? I ministered this last Sunday on our television broadcast on, on there's five things that the church of Jesus Christ must. Everybody say must. M-U-S-T, must. There's five things the church of Jesus Christ, M-U-S-T, must do in 2021. This is not an option. 
This is a must. The church, if we're going to pull out of this and put, get back where we belong and have any kind of onward progress, we absolutely, M-U-S-T, must. Number one, reevaluate our priorities. The church is going to have to go back and reevaluate what our priorities are. In fact, families are going to have to do the same thing. What, what are your priorities? What are your priorities? You know, most of us adults remember when, when Little League baseball, when Boy Scouts, Girl Scouts, any school sports of any kind, basketball, football, baseball, track, we all remember as adults when they would never be held on Sunday. Never, 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 never. Or on Wednesday night. A school wouldn't do it. A school wouldn't do it. A school would not do it. They'd say, no, people go to church on Wednesday night. And Sunday's the Lord's day. But there began to be a change here. Didn't there? And parents had their priorities. Well, I want little Johnny to play football. Well, I want little Susie to be in the Girl Scouts. Well, I want, I want this to be. Well, they're friends, but, but, but I don't want to isolate them. And so we changed priorities. Instead of church becoming, being, remaining the priority it always had been, school became the priority. Well, now I'm for school, you know, but it's not my priority, never has been, never will be. If it's going to, if it's going to cross grain with God, you know. But we're going to have to, we're going to have to reevaluate our priorities. What is our priority? And we all have to do that every day in different things. What's the priority? What am I going to put first? I need to be here. I need to be here. Which, which, what, what am I going to do? And see, Washington and Hollywood and, and the devil is trying hard to make you deprioritize the church even more. You don't have to go to church, watch it online. Well, you don't have to go to heaven, just watch it online. You know? Somebody said, tell you, you don't have to go to heaven. You don't have, you don't have to go to church to go to heaven. I said, yep. Yeah, you know, you don't have to jump out of an airplane without a parachute either, but with a parachute either, but it sure helps. Isn't that right? What's the priority? That's a big one. That's something y'all will go home and think about and talk about amongst yourselves. I mean, husband and wife, I'll say, hey, what is our priority? How many times in the last 20, 30 years, I started in about the last 30 years, uh, I've been preaching in a church, and some dear couple will come up to me, friends of mine, they'll come up to me and say, oh, Brother Terry, sir, it's great tonight, it's so good to see you, we're always so glad when you come. And I say, well, thank you, it's good to see you too, I always enjoy being in this church. Uh, where, where's your kids? Let me hug on them. Oh, well, they're not here tonight. You know, teenagers. They're not here. Why, why aren't they here? Oh, they didn't want to come. And I always say, who asked them? I can't imagine you asked them. Did you ask them if they wanted to go to church at school? No, you just sent them because why? It's good for them. And you know what's best for them. They don't know what's best for them. You know what's best for them. I had a young lady call me one time decades ago. 
relative of mine. And uh, she said, Terry, I just want to give you and, you and your wife a, a heads up that I, I'm divorcing my husband. I said, oh, honey, don't do that. I said, y'all come on up here and talk to me and, and uh, Jackie then. And I said, come on up here and talk to us and we'll, 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 we'll talk and we'll pray and we'll believe God. No, 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 I'm getting a divorce because I'm unhappy. And then she said this. She said, and God doesn't want me unhappy. Now, of course, that's the great sermon today, but back then it wasn't so much a great sermon. It was just an idea she came up with. And I said, honey, I've got news for you. God doesn't give a rip if you're happy or not. <laughs> God could absolutely care less or couldn't care less if you're happy. And every time I say that in the church, it's like, <gasps> people just can't imagine that. Oh, no, God wants me happy. No, he doesn't. He doesn't care care if you're happy by your standard he wants you happy by his standard because he's your daddy and he knows what's good for you your kids don't know what's good for them you do well, of course they think they do I remember, you know, Lynn's 49 years old now, but I remember when he was 16 years old and came to me one day and said, Dad, would you buy me a Porsche? And I said, no. <laughs> and he said, well, that'd really make me happy. I said, I don't care. <laughs> don't you want me to be happy? I said, no. I don't care if you're happy or not. See, I want my kids happy by my standard, not by their standard, because their standard is immature. They don't know what makes them happy. Hey, Daddy, can I do drugs? No. Yeah, but if I could snort this and shoot that, it'd make me happy. I don't care. I don't want you happy. Because I know for a fact it won't make you happy. Hey, Dad, you care if me and my friends, you know, have a six-pack tonight? No. I mean, yeah, I care, but no, you can't. Don't you want me happy? No. See, you tell your kids, stop and think about this. Did you just think that I'm a mean preacher, that I'm hard? Stop and think about this. Do you, do you tell your kids to brush their teeth? Of course you do. That's, that's, that's not a rhetorical question. And they say, I don't want to brush my teeth. And you say, brush your teeth. But I don't want to. Brush your teeth. But I don't want to. Brush your teeth. Why? Because you know it's good for them. You know, if they don't brush their teeth, they're going to have cavities. You know their teeth are going to fall out, right? Because you're smarter than they are. Because you know what they need. They don't know what they need. Can you imagine they're trying, they're trying to pass a law where eight-year-olds can have sex change operations because they, they decide they're not a boy or they're not a girl? Are you kidding me? Let them play with toys. They can't choose their orientation. They're a child. Their brain's not developed. They don't even know what any of that stuff means. And you want to pass a law that they can tell their parents? I know I'm being nice and choosing my words because there's kids in here, right? 
I'd get a lot plainer with this. I live in the real world, y'all. Eat your vegetables. I don't like spinach. I don't want to eat my Eat your vegetables. I don't, want, I don't care. Eat your vegetables. But I don't want to eat your vegetables. I have these dumb parents come to me and say, they don't like vegetables. I don't care. Don't tell me. Feed it to them anyway. But they just want french fries. Well, so do I, but it's not... Hey, McDonald's french fries for everybody. You know? But no, they need their vegetables. Wake up, honey. It's time to go to school. I don't want to go to school. They get up and go to school. But I don't want to get up. But I don't feel good. You'll feel better later. Get up. Get up. Get up. Have y'all ever had that conversation? Yeah? Why? Because you're the parent. And you know what's good for them. They don't. You didn't want to go to work either, but you know you can't play that card. <laughs> Wish I could just lay in bed and say I don't want to go to work, and they'd still give me a paycheck. <laughs> Are y'all here? Yes. But church has become deprioritized. Kids didn't want to come to church. Why'd you ask them? Why in the world would you give them a choice? I used to say, when I was a little kid, I had a drug problem. My parents drugged me to church. <laughs> Every Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night and any other special time. You know, we had, we had revivals back in the day. And I mean, that was church every night. Not taking off for Saturday. I mean, every night. Seven nights, seven nights a week. And sometimes they went for two weeks. Sometimes they went for three weeks. I, I've been in them that lasted, what was it, I think, I think it was either 18 or 26 weeks once was the longest revival I ever went to. Every night of the world, no taking off, nothing. Well, we, we, we got to go to school. So did I. We got to go to work the next day. So did we. I slept, I slept night after night, Kelvin, on a, on a blanket under the pew. We called it a pallet. I slept on a Pentecostal pallet under a Pentecostal pew while Pentecostal ladies were dancing on my Pentecostal fingers. <laughs> night after night after night after night after night, week after week. But you know what? America was a better place. Because as goes the church, goes the nation. And back when the church was healthy, church isn't healthy now. If y'all think the church is healthy, you are kidding yourself. The church is sick, anemic, weak. That's because we've deprioritized it. Back when the church was healthy, America was healthy. Right now we've got all these squirrely things that Congress and Senate and trying to do. It's because they're sick and they're messed up and they're perverted and they're weird and that's because the church is sick and weak and anemic. I believe the day's coming, Kelvin. I have to believe this. I say it all the time. I believe, I believe, I believe the day's coming when the sheep, the people, are going to come to the pastor and say, Pastor, we need more church because one hour a week isn't getting it. You'd think we'd be smart enough to realize an hour on Sunday morning is not working. It's not working. Look at the church. Look at America. Look at your life. It's not working. We need a pastor. We need a shepherd. We need 
church. Our kids need church. I better get off that. I'm still on point number one. Reevaluate your priorities. <laughs> what is your priority? Is church your priority? Tonight, I challenge you tonight. Don't do it next year if you don't want to. If it doesn't work, then next year, at this service next year, if Kelvin invites me back, tell me I lied, it didn't work, and you don't ever have to do it again. But you and your wife get down tonight on your knees, you and your husband, and say, we are going to make the church a priority this year. This year, one year, we're going to give God one year. And we're going to make the church a priority. We're going to help the pastor this year. We're going to bring somebody to church every now and then. You know, if there's, what, if there's 50 people in here tonight, and, and this coming Sunday, if every one of you brought somebody, it'd be 100. And that's just prioritizing making the church a priority. Y'all still with me? It's five after nine. Rekindle our love. The church, M-U-S-T, must rekindle our love. We have gone astray with our love. God says, where, where, what happened to your first love? Do we love God? Do we love people? Do we love the pastor? Do we love the church? Do we love our family? Do we love, do, we're we're going to have to rekindle our love and go back to being lovers. Say, God, I'm going to church because I love you. Father, I'm going I'm to help pastor get this thing done because I love you, Lord. I, I love you. I, Lord, I love you. I love you. And I'm going to help further your kingdom. See, God's, the Bible says God so loved the world that he gave. He so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believe in him should not perish. They should. They, they, they are perishing every day, but God said they should not. They should not perish, but have everlasting life. 1 John 3, 17, uh, Whoso has this world's goods, and seeth his brother in need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, question, how dwelleth the love of God in Next verse, verse 18. My little children, let us not love in word and tongue, but in deed and truth. Don't just say God bless you, but do something about it. We're going to have to rekindle our love. He said, if you love me, keep my commandments. If you love me, feed my sheep. Amen? You, you, can, you can give to somebody without loving them, but you can't love somebody without giving to them. That'd be a good place for you wives to elbow your husband. You, you can't love somebody without giving to them. If you're a lover, you're a giver. Number three, reestablish our commitments. Some of us have made some commitments a long time ago. We got all hot and bothered in church one night, and the Holy Ghost moved on us, and we got excited and said, Lord, I'm committing some things to you. And then we went off and got cold with that and forgot it. We, we need to go back and reestablish those commitments. What have you committed to God to do? What have you committed to do for the glory of God that, you, that you've gone away from? Maybe forgotten about it. Legitimately, not, not, not mad at you about it. Just, you just forgot it. We're going to have to go back and reestablish that. Father, I committed I was going to have the kids in church. Father, I made that commitment. I was going to be with my wife and my husband in church. I, I made that commitment. When Dean and Renee, her husband, who's in heaven now, 
when Dean Renee pastored this great church in Corpus Christi, uh, <clears throat> I was there one time, and Dean called me and he said, he said, Terry, I've got a couple in the church that, that are wanting to get married, and he said, would you, would you counsel them? Would you do premarital counsel on them? He said, he said they've already, you know, they, they, they've gotten pregnant and had a baby, and, and so would you, would you counsel them? They want to get married? And I said, sure, that's what you want me to do. I'm not the pastor, but I'll do it. And so I got that little old girl sitting in front of me, and a little, little boy, two, two teenagers, don't, have, don't know, come here from Sikkim. And uh, all they know to do is how to get pregnant. Of course, they didn't know that was going to happen, or they wouldn't. Well, never mind. <clears throat> they think they're so smart and they're so stupid. <laughs> they think they know it all and they know nothing. And so they're sitting there, and he's got an attitude. And uh, she's sitting there, and I've known her quite a while because I'm in and out of that church all the time, and I knew her family. And so uh, I said, uh, I looked at him, and I said, now, you're wanting me to bless your marriage and get you guys married. And Yeah, yes, sir, yeah. And I said, well, I said, I have a question for you. I said, do you commit right now to me, to her, and to God that you will raise this baby in church? That you as the father will make a commitment that I will raise my baby in church before God. And he said, no, I won't do that. And I looked at her and I said, honey, this guy's a jerk. Drop him right now. Kick him to the curb. Well, wait a minute, preacher. And I just wait a minute. I said, sit down, buddy. I'll put you down. I said, you're a jerk. You're not a man. Just because you got her pregnant doesn't mean you're a man. It takes a real man to be a father. I said, anybody, as a 12-year-old kid can get a girl pregnant. doesn't make you a man. But you've become a father. Now let's see if you're man enough to be one. Because even though you've become a father, you may never be one. I know lots of men that have never... They've become fathers and never go ahead and be one. I've known lots of women that became mothers and never went ahead to be one. I've known lots of Christians that became Christians and never went ahead and be one. See, we need to learn to be what we've become. I was raised out here in Midland, Texas, and at 19 years old, I stood in my church with my fiancé and facing my pastor, holding hands right here at the, pulp, right here at the altar, and, and pastor finishes up the ceremony and says, I pronounce you husband and wife. And I stood there holding, holding her hand and looking at my pastor, and I said, Dear God in heaven, what have I just done? I have stood right here before God and everybody and become a husband, and I don't have a clue how to be one. And I stood there and said, Father, I commit to you. I commit to you. Pastor didn't hear me. My wife didn't hear me. I sat there in front of my pastor holding her hand. I, I said, I commit to you. I'll get in your Bible, and I'll figure out how to be what I've just become. Three years later, I was in the military. They handed me this little bundle of joy. It's now almost 50 years old. And they said, congratulations, you're a father. And I did the same thing, Monica. I said, dear God, I've become a father. And I don't have a clue how to be what I've become. But I commit to you. I commit to you, Father, 
that I'll get in your word and I'll figure out how to be what I've become. I'll be a father. So we got some commitments that we need to reevaluate. We, and we need to make some we need to make some serious reestablishing of a commitment that we've made. Maybe you made one last week, last month, last year, last decade. You made a commitment. We need to get that reestablished. Y'all hear? Number four, we, we need to redeploy our troops. We, we got too many troops in one spot. We need to look at the world and see where Jesus is needed and get our, get our troops going to where they can do the most good. Amen? We can't have all our troops at one spot. We've got to redeploy them. We've got to send people where, there's, where hurting people are and where, where sinners are. And lastly, we need to redistribute our funds. Some of us started in church, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago. We started out, pastor would get up and take up an offering, and we'd give a dollar. Well, that was good, you know, 30 years ago. But, you know, 10 years later, we're still giving a dollar. 20 years later, we're still giving a dollar. Well, you know, bread went up in those 20 years. Milk went up, gasoline went up. Everything's gone up. But our offerings hadn't really kept up with the cost of living. You know, I, I, I've, gone to, I've preached at some churches for 20 and 30 and 40 years, and some of them started out giving me $50 a month 40 years ago, and they still are today. And I think, Pastor, hello. 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 Times have changed. You've raised your salary. You know, someone giving $100 a month, still doing it all these years later. Nothing wrong with $50 a month. Nothing wrong with $100 a month. It's just that over time, things ought to grow. You know, I started out partnering with people when I was a teenager, and I was giving them little bitty, you know, what I could afford as a teenager. But as my cost of, as my increase came, as I, my cost of living went up, I increased my giving. I think my microphone went off. We need to redistribute our funds, get our funds redistributed. Sometimes we've been putting money in one place where, uh, where God's blessing was at one time, but God changed his mind a long time ago, and we're still, we're still doing what we... Isn't that right? Again, I started partnering with ministries when I was a teenager. And some of those ministries I'm still partnering with today. But I've increased my giving. You know, the amount's gone up. But then some of those I've quit because either they weren't living right or didn't do right or they got sick and went out of the ministry or, or this, that, or the other happened or whatever. And so some of them, I, some of them, some of them, uh, uh, we'll take Brother, take Brother Hagen, for instance. I partnered with Brother Hagen since I was a teenager. And then he died in 03. I'd partnered with him all these years, but I just kept partnering with the ministry, still partnering with it today. His son, Ken Jr., took over the ministry. I just continued my partnership. But then others, a man of God died that I'd supported since I was a teenager, and he died, and, and his son wasn't doing what I felt comfortable with or what I felt like I was called to do, or he wasn't doing what his father was doing. So I, I stopped my support there. I, I redistributed the funds. Does that make sense? So we're going to have to, if, if, if the church of 2021 
is going to get the job done, we're going to have to do those things, reevaluate our priorities, rekindle our love, reestablish our commitment, redeploy our troops, and redistribute our funds. Amen? Let me give you two scriptures real quick. First Kings chapter 19, you know the story, so I won't, I won't even go read it. It's about a paragraph long. It wouldn't hurt to read it. But you know the story. Elijah has run away down the mountain from, from King uh, Ahab, and uh, he wanted to kill him. So Elijah took off, inspired of the Holy Ghost, anointed of the Holy Ghost. He outran the king's chariots. He got down there and, and hid under a juniper tree. And uh, God sent angels to bake him cake. So he had angel food cake, but he, got to feeling, but he got to feeling sorry for himself. And he said, I'm just out here all by myself. Nobody's serving God but me. I'm all, I'm all alone. I'm the only one doing anything for God. And he goes through all that kind of stuff. And he said, and they're trying to hurt me now, and they're trying to kill me. And, and, and Lord, I'm just jealous for you. And they've, they've killed your prophets with the sword, and they've done all these bad things. And I'm still the only one that's faithful, and so on and so on. And the Lord said to him, he said, look, Yet I have left me 7,000 in Israel that have not bowed the knee to Baal, and their mouths have not kissed him. So I'd like to say to you at the end of 2020 and the beginning of 2021, uh, you're not by yourself. God's got people. It looks bad, it looks dark, but God's got people everywhere that have not bowed their knee to Baal. They have not kissed his ring or kissed his hand. They've stood for righteousness, stood for rightness, stood for holiness. So don't you think you're by yourself. And the best thing you can do is congregate yourself <coughs> excuse me, with your own company. The Bible says in Acts chapter 4, whenever Peter and John were threatened to jail and threatened to be beaten and all that stuff, and they finally let them go after they had had that great miracle and healed the crippled man, pulled him up and said, said, you know, get on your feet, and the guy was healed, and everybody got mad about it. And when they let them go, the Bible says, they immediately went to their own company. Brother Hagin used to preach that, and he'd say, he'd say, most Christians today, Kelvin, don't know who their company is and don't know where their company is. If you told them right now, get up and go to your company, they, they, they wouldn't know who they were, and they wouldn't have a clue where they were. So they can't even go to them. So we, we need to make a commitment of who is our company and realize that you're not by yourself, but you better get with your company. The best thing you can do is get with your pastor and your fellow believers because a threefold cord is hardly broken. Amen? And you get, you get in that deal where, you, where, there's, where there's power and numbers and faith and believing and praying in the Holy Ghost together and get that company of believers to where you know where your company is and you know who your company is. So, so I wanted to say that to you, that you're not alone. God's still got, God's still got people that hadn't bowed their knee to bail. Amen? And you better find people that you're supporting and partnering with that, that haven't bowed their knee to bail. And if they've changed, and if you're, if you're I'll say this in this church because I know your pastor, I know he hadn't changed, but a lot of churches I wouldn't even say this in because your Lord, they're, they're a mess. <clears throat> you know, some churches have shut down in last March and, and didn't open again until October, and some haven't opened yet. Renan and I will know one large church that the government gave them $4 million not to open, so they have stayed closed. That's called a prostitute. That pastor is called a hireling. 
He's not a pastor. And I know him. He's a friend of mine. I'm, I've known him for years. He's not a pastor. He's a hireling. Does that make sense to you? If your pastor stands up and says, this is a new normal, go to church somewhere else. Your pastor stands up and says, well, we're going to close the church, you know, for your own good. Go to church somewhere else. You need a pastor that's going to stand up and take the sword and run the wolves off. And that's what your pastor does. The wolves come in to take the sheep. pastor stands up and says, you're not taking my sheep. You're not taking these sheep. You're not doing it. The other scripture I wanted to give you, that was one scripture. The other scripture I wanted to give you is Genesis 18. <clears throat> starting in verse 16, going down to 33, it says that these men came into Abraham's, where did Abraham's living? And Abraham saw them and went and saluted them and went and told Sarah to bake them a cake and, you know, make them some, there's three of them, he said, make three cakes. And uh, the Lord said, uh, the Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham the thing which I do? seeing that Abraham shall surely become a mighty nation and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I know him. Listen, this will affect some of your parents. I know him. That's so good. I know him that he will command his children and his household after me. God said, I know Abraham. He, he will command his children and command his household to follow God. See, that parents need to take that, take that to heart. You command those kids to serve God, to get in church, to love God, to be about the master's business. Anyway, and so, uh, so the Lord said to him, I, I'm not going to hide this thing from you, Abraham. I'm on my way over here to Sodom and Gomorrah. They're two homosexual cities, and their, their perverseness has come up before me, and I can't stand it anymore, so I'm going to kill them all. But I'm not going to do it without telling you. I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you about it first. But I'm going to destroy both cities. And so Abraham said to the Lord, he said, uh, Sir, I don't want to upset you or anything, but uh, if, you could, if you happen to find 50 righteous over there, would you spare the city and not kill, not destroy the city for the 50 righteous? You, you know, not kill the 50 righteous with the bad people. And the Lord said, Okay. That's what you want. If I can find 50, I, I, I'll save the city. And he said, well, sir, I, I, don't, I don't mean to be belligerent here, but, but, but what, if, what if you found just 45? Would you, would you spare it for 45? And the Lord said, all right, I'll, I'll spare it for 45. Well, sir, what, what, sir what, what if there's just 40? Would you, would you spare the city and save those 40 righteous people, 40 good people? He said, okay, I'll, I'll do it for 40. Well, sir, I don't mean to make you mad about this, but, but what if there's only 30? Okay, I'll do it for 30. Well, sir, what if there's only 20? Could you, could you, could you, could you not destroy them just, just for the 20? All right. And he said, sir, I'm sorry, but let me ask you one last time. What if there's just 10? What if there's just 10 righteous? God said, okay, that's what you want. I'll save the whole two cities for you just for 10. <clears throat> but, of course, he got over there and couldn't find 10, so he destroyed them. 
saved Lot and his family, and then his wife messed up, and she got killed. But isn't that amazing? So what, you say, well, Terry, what are you talking about? Why don't you want to give him that scripture tonight? Well, because I want you to know that there's, there's, there's more than ten righteous here. And there's more than 20. And in America, there's more than 50, and there's more than 100, and there's more than 1,000, there's more than, you know? So, so the one scripture I gave you to tell you you're not alone. God still has thousands that hadn't bowed their knee to Baal. And the other is that God's going to save this nation just because of you if you'll ask him and talk to him about it. And say, Lord, there's righteous in Hebronville. There's righteous in Laredo. There's righteous in Alton and Bruni. There's righteous in, you know, Freer, Zapata. There's, there's righteous in Corpus. There's righteous Refugio. There's, 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 Lord, and God will spare this nation. If he'd do it for Abraham, he'd do it for us. And Ray and I pray that way all the time. We say, Lord, but there's more than ten righteous. Lord, there's more than ten righteous. You know, this last summer we were up at Southwest Believers at Brother Copeland's meeting. I just said, oh, Lord, look at this crowd. Look at this crowd. And it's not even as big a crowd as it usually is because of COVID and the restrictions and stuff. But just look. Just, just look at this bunch. Just this bunch right here. See, I'm looking here tonight, and I say, Lord, look here. Look here. Look here. Hebronville ought to be saved just because right here. Amen. So those are two Old Testament scriptures that you can stand on for the New Testament. And say, Lord, I'm, I'm calling on you just for the righteous in town, just for the good people in town, just for the Christians in town. Do a miracle and help this city, help this town, help this nation, help this state. Amen? Amen. Y'all get anything out of all that? Amen. Well, it's 9.30. I guess I better quit. I saw the little advertisement that said we're going from 7 to 9. So I assume that was 9 p.m., not... A.M. <laughs> I sure enjoy being with you guys. Love Kelvin and Monica. Love the church. It's got so many personal friends here in the church. And uh, have partners here in the church, people that send us money, pray for us. And uh, my, my, my. Just telling Kelvin tonight, I said, we were trying to talk about how long I'd been coming. And I said, well, you know, I said, I knew your mama. I said, I remember her funeral, you know, which was, which was 2002. And uh, I was thinking, you know, I knew your mama. Your mama used to partner with me, and she ran off to heaven. That every month I'd get a check from her, every month. It's holy ground. I mean, it's holy ground. Can you imagine all those people, those, those 100,000 Muslims that would have gotten saved, and they're still going to get saved, and I'm still going to Your mama gave to that. You know, your mama gave for that. You know, I was down in Mexico City and talking to Brother Wayne Myers, you know, and, and I said something about Kelvin Box. He said, oh, man, he said, I've known his mama for years. Said, said she's, she's helped us get cars and provide cars for people, you know. See, those, those, those are holy. Heaven doesn't forget that. Those are, those are holy things. Holy things. Heaven is keeping record. Well, stand up with me. But I'd ask you to pray this. I'd ask you to pray 
those last two scriptures that I gave you. Because heaven's going to pay attention to those. And if you'll pray Genesis 18 and pray 1 Kings 19 and just go before God and just just work you out a prayer to Him and say, Father, there's you said you had 7,000 that hadn't bowed the knee to Baal and I, you hadn't kissed His ring, hadn't kissed on Him. I, there's more than that. There's more than that in America. <laughs> and you said that to Abraham you wouldn't destroy the city. If you could just find 10 righteous. Well, Lord, there's more than that here. And if you'll begin to pray those two prayers, pray them seriously. Father, there's more than 10 righteous. Even when you're just going to H-E-B or going to Stripes or going somewhere, just just driving in the car, just say, Father, there's more than 10 righteous. There's more than 10 righteous, Lord. I just remind you of your word that there's more than 10 righteous in Jesus' name. So thank you for sparing this town, this county, this state, this nation. America supplies 76% of the world's missionaries. You're not going to let her go down the tubes because if America goes down the tubes, the world's going down the tubes. Father, we're reevaluating and recommitting and rekindling, redeploying and redistributing. We're not going to just live like we always have. 2021 is going to be different. And it's going to be better. We've learned some things in 2020. We won't fall for again. We've learned some things. We've learned how to stand. Father, we're not going to live in fear. Fear and faith do not, cannot live in the same house. And we thank you for it and give you the glory, the honor and the praise, the majesty. Even when you're home tonight about midnight, you know, if you're celebrating with the family, I understand that, or doing firework, I, I, I understand. But if you're by yourself and it's about midnight, just stop and just pray the old year out, the new year in, and say, Father, I just want to remind you there's, there's more than 10 righteous. There's more than 10 righteous, Lord. There's more than 10 righteous. Thank you for saving the nation. And Father, you've got more than 7,000 that hadn't bowed their knee to Baal, and I'm one of them. And just, just remind heaven and hell of that. Every now and then tell hell, say, hey, I hadn't bowed my knee to Baal. I hadn't kissed on that demon God. And there's more than ten righteous. Father, we thank you for it. Oh, thank you. Father, I pray for every person in this house tonight. I pray for every person watching on Facebook online. I pray the tangible anointing of the Holy Ghost of Acts to minister, to heal, to cure, to strengthen, to make whole and well and strong, to encourage, to lift up the hands that hang down, to be the lifter of our head. That, Father, we come out of 2020 with a high hand. We come out with a high hand never been a year like this before but we made it we survived it and we'll be here next year in Jesus name we thank you we thank you we thank you Father I pray for people that are having tough times this has been a tough year for people people have lost their jobs I understand that people have died of COVID I understand that 
Father, it's been, a, it's been a sad and horrible year for a lot of people because of the circumstances they went through, but they're still here. And I thank you for increase and blessing and abundance from the God that's more than enough. From El Shaddai, Jehovah Jireh. Father, you're the God, you're the, you're the father of the prodigal son. Said to the older brother, he said, son, everything in my hand is yours. Everything in my hand, the father said, is yours. And you can have the fatted calf anytime you want it. You can have a party anytime you want it. You can wear the ring anytime you want it. You can have the robe anytime you want it. It's yours. Father, you are Jehovah Jireh. You are our Father, and everything you have in your hand is ours. And we can have the party and the calf and the robe and the ring. El Shaddai, the God of more than enough. Jehovah Rapha, the Lord our healer. The healer is our God. Our God is our healer. No plague comes nigh our dwelling. No evil befall us. A thousand fall at our side. Ten thousand our right hand. It will not come near us. That's your word, Father. We didn't think that up. That's your word. And we thank you for it. Father, I think it's so wonderful, the things you said in the Bible that we didn't think up, we didn't make them up, some preacher didn't think it up. You said it. It was your idea. We'd have never dreamed to make up stuff like that. Father, Jesus himself said, Give, and it'll be given you again, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. The same measure you meet with all, it'll be measured you again. Men will give to your bosom. Jesus said that. No preacher thought that up. No pastor thought that up. Jesus said it. Father, Jesus said in Mark 10, 29, 30, whatever you give for the gospel's sake, and for my sake, Jesus said, whatever you give for Jesus' sake will be returned to you a hundredfold now in this life and eternal life in the life to come. Jesus said that. Father, I just think that's amazing too marvelous for words I, no, nobody I could have never thought that up Jesus said that Paul said when we give it'll be given us again good. Paul said that when, when we plant our seed that you'll take the seed sown and multiply it and give it back to us and you'll all, even give us the seed to sow you'll give us the seed to sow and the bread to eat because you're unwilling to do without a hilarious giver you said that Lord you said that you'd bless our bread and our water and take sickness from our midst. I never could have thought that up. You said, and Father, I've said for 53, well, next year, 53 years, around the world eating monkey and dog and cat and rat and worms and bugs and green rotten meat and nasty food. I've eaten that stuff all my life, and you have protected me and kept me because you said, I'll bless your bread and water and take sickness from I'm so glad you said it. How grateful I've been around the world for so many years that you said that. We've got a Bible full of promises just like that. 
And I'm just amazed that you said those things. I'm thrilled. I'm delighted. I'm over the top with it, Lord. That we've got the, the word of Jehovah God. And we thank you for it. And give you glory and honor and praise. We bring 2020 to a close. And we begin 2021 with a shout and a high hand. And a de declaration that we are more than conquerors in Jesus name amen 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 praise the Lord well glory hallelujah y'all pray for us this year we're gonna be busy we're gonna go where they let us go and we're gonna go where they won't let us go and uh, preach the gospel and uh, believe in God just to do exactly what he said he would do amen pastor Glory to God. Let's give the Lord a big hand clap. You may be seated for a moment. God bless you. It's not like anybody's going to bed, right? Everybody looks like, oh, we're so tired. Um, we have some things planned out right after church, so you're welcome to hang out. You brought fireworks, or you have fireworks, or you've got a parking lot here, and I think God sent some rain so we wouldn't burn the town down, so I, I think it's safe. It was so dry. I, I had like a fire ban even at my place, you know, because everything was so dry. I want to just, uh, real quick, before I let you go, um, thank you, Terry, for the words. Renee, thank you. And yes, you're invited next year, so. If Jesus tarries, Terry will be here. <laughs> so I wanted to il illustrate a little bit of what, what Terry said, you know, and um, last, last act of, of worship we're going to do, and it is an act of worship, we're going to sow a seed. And tonight, you know, what I want you to do, I, I don't even, you know, you want to label it, that's fine. We want to sow tonight's seed into Terry Myers Ministries. This seed will travel the world. This seed, I know Terry, man of God, man of integrity. You don't have a relationship for 20 years and not know what people are made out of. And I think it goes both ways, you know. It's funny what you said, Terry, because last Sunday I stood up in this pulpit and I said, the reason 2020 was a fail of the church, because we had authority. We don't know what to do with it. You know, it's, you know so we you know. We track the same tracks that, and, but you know what, 21, like Terry said, we woke up, right? And we're not gonna let this happen again. So, you know, take authority over these things. And tonight, you know, be, let me tell you some instructions between now and Sunday, or you can do it even after Sunday, but I would highly recommend, highly recommend we do this every year. Remember Angie, we used to do this and we still do it. Remember Angie was one of the first. And I want you to write down everything that you're believing God for 21. And then the next thing we do is you add, you add a scripture on it. You don't just, it's not a wish list. This is a covenant promise list. It's different than a wish list. And you just set your kids and your finances and your health in order. And again, you know, do, do, don't do things because I say so. I just tell you my, my life, my examples. I've never taken, don't plan to, ever had any flu shot of the previous, the ABC and all the other ones. But I take a Holy Ghost flu shot every year, remind myself of my covenant. And our covenant held true again this week as I shared with you. So... You know, it's a good thing to be a believer. It's a really good thing. You know, I mean, it's like, really, you know, you look at the, yeah, exactly. It's cheaper, you know, we don't get sick. We, you know, it's just, you live this different kind of life. And there's a, you know, there's a few people from our church that, that have come under different attacks and we're praying for them and holding up a high bit. I just think, you know, it's going to be a really good year. So, so tonight I was going to illustrate, I was, I got this illustration when I was, when Terry was talking so about, about purpose, so I want to show you something. So I got in my wallet, and again, I didn't plan this at all, just till till right now. So I'm going to show you a very, very sad bill. 
I'm going to make it really happy really quick. So this is a really sad bill because this bill, or one like it, will remain in my wallet, usually a couple of them, because I never know when my wife's going to need some cash. Bad joke. So some say, man, you got to keep some of these Benjamins around. You see, as long as he's in my wallet, he really doesn't have a purpose, and it has no value. Some of you like, give it to me. I'll show you. Well, even if I gave it to you, it still has no value until you actually spend it. It's just a piece of paper. And we can tell you from, from our experience in Cuba in the last few years, and Terry knows that he's worked in Cuba many years also. Right now, Cuba is in such a hard, hardship that our pastor, Terry, can have cash. But there's nothing to buy. So you have a whole revelation of what money is when you can have money and you still can't buy bread. So, so this bill, you know, as long as it stays in my wallet, it, may, it might give me a little bit of security, not a lot because, you know, $100 can't do a whole lot, but it has really no purpose other than feeding my security. Pay attention to this illustration because this is what's going to put you on a path to prosperity with purpose. Never, every time you talk about prosperity, you add that other P to it because if not, your doctrine is going to get weird. God blesses you to be a blessing. But you see, now I've decided, you know, and this is something, this is not, not a major thing, but I said, you know, once I put it in this envelope, and I'm going to sew, sew it into Terry Mize Ministries, now I've given this bill, became, this is one bill that's happy now. Because this bill is going to travel the world. It's, it's done from sitting behind my butt, because that's where it is, all day. Sometimes it's in the truck, wherever the wallet is. Sometimes I don't know where my wallet is, right? But once I put it away into this little envelope, this, this money now has tremendous purpose. Now, whatever, however they apply it, it doesn't, matter, it doesn't matter a bit to me because I know this will help an orphan that I will probably never, ever meet. Or it will help put a Bible in a Muslim's hand. Or it will pay for the gas to get him to the next church. Whatever it takes. But now this purpose, now this bill has a huge purpose. It's gone from no purpose except giving me a little tiny bit of security, because it's not a lot of security, you know that. Just a little bit of security, might be a couple of gas tanks or however you want to call it. Maybe a good meal at a restaurant with your family. But now it has the ability to change somebody's life and to help somebody graduate into eternity. You see, see, that's what I want you to see about why, why God does what he does, you know. And I, I have scriptures, but I don't want to take any more time, you know. But the one I want to say in Corinthians the key is this is he gives seed to the sower and you know he gives seed to sower bread to the eater so there it's part of what God does he expects you to take care of your family your family is your first ministry I've always said that even even talk, ask our leadership those that are close to me I said your family is your first ministry you, you know don't come here and try to serve in the church when you're when you're I mean and abandon your family because I've, I've seen that I've seen and you guys seen the, those disasters where people just went no, your first ministry is your family. But then you have the responsibility, and, and the scripture is so cool. Let me just read the second part of that. I'm not going to read the whole thing. But I want you to leave this and take this in mind because this is the way we live. This is the way Monique and I live. You know, we, we, we're looking to, for these opportunities. So 2 Corinthians um, chapter 9, and I just want to read one scripture out of here. I even had it highlighted so I wouldn't preach. First of all, in verse 8 says, God is able to make all grace abound towards you that you're always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. 
by, by sowing the seed and, and the purpose that I give it, which is missions, guess what God's going to do? He's going to make sure I got another one. It's, it's, it's right. I didn't make this up. It's right there. He's going to make sure I get another one and another one and another one to continue that rhythm. So that's the first guarantee you have. And then I'll, I'll skip number nine. Just go straight to 10. It says, now he that ministered seed to the sower both ministered bread for your food. That's your household. That's your family. But pay attention to the second part because Christians, they get stuck on this. You know, bless me in my mess, right? Bless me in my four. Bless me in my house. Pay my bills. Help me buy another car. But you forget about the responsibility. He says, so you have the bread. And then he says, and multiply your seed sown and increase, increase the fruits of righteousness. And here's the, here's the big one. Being enriched in everything to all bountifulness, which causes through us thanksgiving to God. And you know what's going to happen with this $100 bill in the future? Somebody's going to say, thank you, Lord. Because either they made it to heaven or somebody put a meal on their, you know, in front of them or somebody did something. Or even at the, at the very least, even if this is what he puts in his gas tank to get to, to Louisiana, that's fine with me because that church will be grateful for the, for the gift. So, you know, this is what I want you to get a hold of, church, because this church, first of all, I'm very, very proud of you guys because for a church of this size, only you and God and us know the impact we've had through Cuba, you know, the development of the farm down there, the, the church. I mean, everything that's going on in Cuba. And someday when you and I meet again, hopefully it's not a year from now, I'll sit down and tell you all the wonderful amazing things that are happening in Cuba. I know Terry loves Cuba. He has a heart for those people. So tonight, you know, if you want to label it, that's fine. But 100% of this offering is going straight into Terry Mize Ministries. And believe God that this is your first seed to cause these amazing breakthroughs into 2021. Amen. And I declare that not one of us is going to fall. We're like the children of Israel, right? Not one of them was sick or feeble among them. That's how we're going to walk through 21 and 22 and all the rest till Jesus comes. There won't be one sick or feeble among us. Amen? All right, so if you, if you need an envelope, there's one next to you. If you want to give online, there'll be some information on the screen. Whatever is tagged for tonight, you can, you can label it. You can do the drop-down menu if you want to to put whatever. But it's all going 100% into Terry and Renee's ministry. We want to sow this seed because I know they are very good ground. And we, are, we, we need a big, big harvest. Because all the things that we didn't do in 20, I want to double up in 21. You know, I was supposed to be in Ukraine, Terry, when they locked this thing down in March, you know. <laughs> and Cuba and our kids ministry in Cuba and, and all kinds of stuff, you know, Mexico and the healing of the nations, the Navajo Nation, a lot of stuff that we, we weren't able to take care of. So I believe 21 will be, we're going to be doubling our work in the mission in the mission field. And I think that's why I think Terry and I have a kind of a kindred spirit because we we love missions, you know, he's, he's not past, he doesn't pastor church, I pastor church, but, you know, the heartbeat is still the same, right? <laughs> All right, so if you're ready to, um, to go home, which I think you are, or hang out with us, go ahead and stand with us tonight, and do whatever the Lord tells you, sow, sow your best seed as you close this year, and come excited on Sunday, we have a, you know, we're, we're started this series, started last Sunday, you know, first things first, and it's based around seek ye first the kingdom of God. And we're going to be talking along these lines on, um, on Sunday morning. We're going to also be talking about, we're starting a, and, but I want to teach it so you don't get weirded out. We're doing a 21-day prayer and fast starting next week just to kick the year off right, get our spirits tuned in. 
and we'll talk about the Daniel fast, and we'll talk about these things. And again, this is completely something that we invite you to do. Our church in Laredo is doing the same thing. We're all in rhythm. We all realize that we got to start this year right, and the best way you start the year right is by seeking God with everything you got. And set, you know, take a few days off this year to prayer and pray and meditate on the things of God, and it will set your compass for the rest of the year, and you will be all right. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we just thank you so much, so much for, for keeping.